I have to put on lipstick because the bo- two of you are wearing this like dark red <laughs> lipstick and I am feeling like I'm not part of the friend group. Busy Phillips. This is Busy Phillips. This is doing her best. I'm joined by Casey St. Ange. We have an incredible guest host today. You asked for her. <laughs> you got her. Chelsea Devontes. Hello. Okay. So honored to be asked for, but busy. You made it seem like Casey asked for me. <laughs> and like there was a no, debate about I it. I meant the, pe- the audience. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Chelsea, come on. We've been dying to have you on the pod. We've been dying to have you on the pod, but also multiple people on Instagram suggested you. No way. I wasn't saying that just Casey (laughs) wanted you. Oh my God. Here's the thing. You wanted her. (laughs) Yeah, you wanted her. Here she is. Shit. You know, it's not even 10 a.m. and I'm ready to feel bad about myself at any wisp of a, like, give me anything and I will take I get it, it there. I get it. I'm there. I'm there right there with you. Yeah. Well, Chelsea, I, I can't speak for Casey, but I am thrilled <laughs> that you're here. And really, people did bring up your name a bunch. I'm holding the left side of my boob because I just had a biopsy on my tit whoa have you ever done have you ever had to do that you're young you're like what 28 I have not I've not oh my god thank you sure put that out there (laughs) um I have not had a biopsy on my tits I've had uh on my ovary though my other tits (gasps) my lower tits your lower (laughs) like did you have a cyst did you have a cyst yeah I actually had a seven and a half pound dermoid tumor on my right ovary when I was 22 Oh my God! Yeah. A sister, insane. An a inner, sister, almost yeah. like an absorbed twin. What was her name? Oh my God! I never named the beast. Um, oh. <laughs> I I think I'm gonna name it Daddy Issues because <laughs> um, this is no joke. So I I mean I looked pregnant. So I kept going to try and figure out what was wrong with me, and doctors would be like, "You're pregnant," and I was like, "I haven't had sex in a very long time." Not to brag, there's no fucking way. Anyways, when they finally figured it out, I went to this like very woo-woo doctor in New Mexico who had a huge book of emotional ailments that lead to physical mm. ailments. We talked about this on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Yes, yes. And so he was like, uh, was it your right ovary or your left? And I was like, my right. And he was like, daddy abandoned you. And I was like, bitch, yes, he did. <laughs> Oh my. And if it was my left ovary, it would have been um, your mother abandoned you. Mm. Oh, interesting. It is interesting. Sometimes that stuff really, really checks out, and sometimes it doesn't at all. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like astrology. It's like astrology. You know what I mean? Like sometimes yes. you're like 150% the shit's real, and sometimes you're like, that's just made up. That doesn't yeah. that doesn't apply to me at all. I feel like if I had a cyst on an ovary and the doctor was like, oh, it's because your dad abandoned you, but he hadn't, then I'd just live the rest of my life waiting for my dad to be like, by the way, I'm sick of you. I'm over it. <laughs> <laughs> and your ovaries knew it was coming. <laughs> well, they felt my it. breast, I don't know what my left breast coordinates to, but I had like, I got my first mammogram, which I had put off because- 2020 yeah yeah of course you're supposed to you're supposed to I've had like ultrasounds on my boobs at the gyno I've always done my like yearly checks and my swabs and all that shit and 
And so I waited until I was 40, like everybody does. And then I, and then it was COVID. And then I didn't get a mammogram because I was like, no one's doing anything. Everything was shut down, obviously. So I finally did it. And it was like, I'm not a person. I really am not freaked out at all. Like I'll find out tomorrow if it's, if it's abnormal or there's something bad in there. Yeah. But but I had cysts in both boobs, which is not unusual because I have cysts on my over. Like I'm just, I'm cystic. cystic. I had cystic acne when I was (laughs) in my early twenties. Like it's just cysts happen yeah for me yeah there's a sweatshirt so, that's a new sweatshirt I know that's a new sweatshirt so anyway I merch don't forget about our merch anyway so uh so the doctor was really nice and she was like listen what we need to do is just like a needle biopsy to like pull out some of the tissue and the cyst and the whatever this one just looks weird on my left side but she's like but I'm but I feel very confident that it's fine, but Ooh, I just want to okay. be ultra conservative and safe. And, and does it like, hurt? Well, not yet. Cause I think it's still a little numb, mm. but so they like numbed it up and it was like, I definitely have a very high tolerance for pain. Also, I did find out yesterday that I probably bruised or slash cracked two ribs doing my pole dancing <laughs> two weeks ago. <laughs> That I've just been like powering through with this pain and like not being able to breathe deeply and my back spasming thinking like that's just the way that life should be. Like I should just be constantly in pain. And then finally yesterday morning I woke up and I was like, I guess I was like sort of in the kind of pain. I'm sure both of you experienced this because I just know you both and I know you have. We're like everything started to get foggy. Like Mm. I couldn't think straight. Like I was like what's wrong with me? I feel like I'm underwater. And through a referral, got in to see this PT guy who like examined me and was like, oh, you have, yeah, like your ribs are probably cracked. They might be bruised. They might just be bruised, but basically like bruised ribs are the same thing as cracked ribs. Like, oh, well, that's fun. (laughs) That's fun. A bruise is the same as a crack. That's so nice. (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, and it just has to heal. And like, it's causing the muscles in your back to try to like overcorrect. So they're spasming. And so he did like, um, what is that stuff called? Where it's like vibrates into your muscles. Oh, like, um, like ultrasound. No, it's it's like tens. Like physical therapy. It's like tens therapy. Exactly. Like Mm -hmm. physical therapists do it on your muscles it like pulses your muscles to relax them so he did that for a bit and then he like worked on it a little bit the muscular part in my back and then he was like you also like should just stop (laughs) doing the things that you're doing because I feel like you're you've exacerbated something was pole dancing for the show well it was originally so guys at home Chelsea is not just a beloved personality stand-up host <laughs> podcast <laughs> podcast uh queen I was, I try, yeah queen I was I was like trying to think like what is like a yeah podcast um, mouthpiece amorphous <laughs> yeah. woman in her very, closet recording <laughs> very successful podcast um celebrity book club anyway Chelsea also also is a writer on girls five Eva so that's exciting for all of us. Yeah. So, anyway, so Chelsea, Chelsea knows that the pole dancing was for girls five Eva, but then I kind of decided to continue doing it because I really enjoyed it. And then also 
I just like I don't know I was just like into it and I wanted to keep doing it yeah it's and the week, coolest well it, it makes you so feel fun. powerful until it almost kills you well it mean let's you know what? it wasn't killing me but it did crack my ribs. it did crack okay your so <laughs> it's like an intense athletic can, can I sport can I say something so I when I was in New York I was like oh my god pole dancing workout classes like yeah that's for me I'm a feminist let's get thin and learn to spin and by the end of it I'll be making money like this is gonna be great <laughs> um I went to that class I could not, do, I couldn't do one spin. I could not do one basic stripper spin. Cause you get to that class and they're like, oh yeah, you'll have to lift your entire body weight with your arms. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? Like I didn't get off the floor. It was really pathetic. Yeah. So I just want to give a kudos to you for casually picking up pole dancing. And I, I do yell about this a lot in my standup, but like people don't realize that like strippers are like Olympic athletes. Yeah, I mean, listen, if you, a lot of people, I think, try pole dancing because it's like a popular fitness class or whatever. But here's the thing if you could not climb the rope in elementary school gym, you're not, I couldn't, get, you're not getting up that but pole probably. You're not swinging without, that pussy around no. the pole if you <laughs> no, can't I, get up the rope in elementary school. To be fair, I also was not a rope climber in elementary school, I always failed the presidential fitness test. Oh man. And always. Yeah. But you know, I've come to the working out later in life and I really am strong from doing all my lec fit workout. And it just was like the kind of thing where it was written in the show and I took it as a challenge. And I just thought like how fucking fun and cool would it be if I did that instead of having a double do it? Yeah, it is and cool. It looks great, like, and the in the show, the stuff that we shot. Um, and and then I was, like, continuing doing it because I, like, I ha- it was really fun and I really liked it. And I'm going to, I'm going to go back to the pole, guys. I just need to take a break so that my ribs can heal. You need to pull a share and get those ribs removed. You yeah, know? She just, the, ribs the bottom, the bottom two, the bottom out. two. Or maybe, like, a padded pole for you. Just so you know, I don't think that that's a thing, Casey. You know, well, I'm what saying, makes you feel sexier we could than innovate. A padded pole. <laughs> we could innovate and like a padded pole. That could be like you're a thing that you sell on QVC. You could become very wealthy. <laughs> I know the move that it happened on. I felt it, and then I was just like, that didn't feel right. But I am me, so I just was like. Let's keep going. Yeah, for sure. I I think this padded pole thing has legs. Like, are you a lazy ass, old ass (laughs) bitch who wants to be swinging her tits around a pole? Get a padded pole. (laughs) I would buy it. I can't. I can't. It's not going to work, guys. You can't. You can't grip it if it's padded. You need to be able to grip it. I mean, there's got to be a way. We need to get a scientific mind on it. You know that I love to invent shit, and I think like at least a slightly padded pole. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just take a break. I I have to put on lipstick because the bo- two of you are wearing this like dark red <laughs> lipstick, and I am feeling like I'm not part of the friend group right wow. now. Busy, and so <laughs> you know I'm, I'm just only gonna do it. Doing this, Busy actually taught me this in one of our table reads for Girls Five Eva. Um, she was like, you know, the trick to looking good on a Zoom is just putting on lipstick and nothing else on your face because the Zoom will only pick up your lip. And I've been <laughs> doing it ever since. I don't have anything on except a nearly black red lipstick. You look totally made up. Well, it's your tip. It's it's a I hot know. tip. <laughs> well, guys, now you've heard it. Uh, the way to look put together and hot on a Zoom is to just do a bold red lip. Just a That's lip. That's all you got to do. 
Just I'm doing it right lip. now. This is an old Kylie Jenner lip kit. Oh, nice. It looks oh, good. This it's is pretty. one of the old ones. I haven't used it in years. I mean, I don't know. I know you're supposed to throw makeup out. I was going to say, I, I, I can't imagine a Kylie Jenner lip kit ages well of all the lip kits. <laughs> I don't know. It seems kind of okay right now. I I never throw makeup out either. I know that it's like you're supposed to err on the side of caution, but I just feel like, you know, you, you'd know if you started to get infected by a lipstick or something. That... <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, I don't think it's like it's infecting you. I think it's like, um, like if you got an acne breakout or bacteria on your face, right? Yeah, but that's yeah. yeah. I'm like very right. into cleaning brushes, cleaning sponges, that vibe. But in terms of throwing makeup out, mascara, I rotate. Like I will, I throw out mascara. But unless it smells weird, I kind of just hold on to it. Yeah. Mascara Mm. dries out and then it becomes ineffective. So for me, that's the drop dead date is when you like aren't getting anything out of your mascara anymore. But anything else, especially things that are dry, I'm not as careful as you're supposed to be. But I do try to buy things in small quantities so that they they run out faster. Here's the other thing I will say about mascara. For me, brand new mascara also sucks. I need mascara to be like three weeks old in order for me to really get the proper clump. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I got it. That's another, that's another like uh, a potential business like aged mascara. Sure. (laughs) It's aged like a fine wine. Okay. Guys, I have, I have so many things to talk about and I have so many questions for Chelsea. If you aren't a follower of Chelsea Devontez, Perhaps you don't know that Chelsea's going to have to move to New York. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it's such a bummer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Chelsea, first of all, maybe, but also maybe not a bummer. And the job itself is the biggest not bummer of all time. Why don't you tell our friends who are listening, (laughs) all 10 of them, what uh, what you're doing. So I am the head writer for John Stewart's new Apple show. Um, and I'm so excited about the show. I'm, I'm, I think we're not giving it away yet, but I think it's going to be a really exciting, cool show. And I adore him. He actually gave me my first break in TV at all ever. He was the first person to give me a job. And so to go back now as his head writer, um, very exciting, but and I, how did he find you originally? Where were you? Where'd you come from? What'd you do? So I was in Chicago at the Second City, where um, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, it is a comedy theater to the likes of Tina Fey and Steve Colbert and John Belushi and uh, just all these people came from this theater. So uh, and it has since <laughs> collapsed. <laughs> and uh, and Shantira, and that's Shantira. like our yeah, Shantira. Yeah. Oh my god. Was yeah. second, second City. Were you guys the same age there or no? We were. Year or whatever. Uh, we were in the same generation, I think is like what you call it. And yeah, love Shantira. Met her in Chicago. Um, she was maybe, I was maybe a generation above. It's mm-hmm. it's weird how it goes. But um, yeah, so I was there. I did everything there. I was an intern. I took classes. I I did everything until I was on, I went on a cruise ship for them. Then I turned on the road. <laughs> like Shantira. Like, like Shantira. Shantira. Yes. Yep. Then I was uh-huh. on, yeah, touring company like Shantira. And then I did three main stage reviews just like Shantira. Wow, me and Shantira. Um, <laughs> and so I was on my third main stage review. And I'd had a big uh, 
I had had a big friend falling out with my career trajectory and my managers were like, you have, I had a writing partner and, uh, they were like, you have to start over. You have to, you, you, none of your samples count. So you had a writing partner and then you guys had a falling out and then all your agents managers were like, well, you got to start from scratch. Yeah. They were literally like, you have nothing now. They weren't the nicest. They were like, you have nothing now. Cause I had been making short films and doing all this stuff for years. I mean, just, I just had such a huge amount of work, the hustle, but, uh, yeah. But because I had all my biggest, best samples as a duo, they were like, you fucked. So, um, I was, so I, was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, but I also needed a job very fast. And we did satire at the Second City, political stuff like that. So I started putting in packets for late night shows. And um, one of those packets, I mean, I did a shit ton of them. And one of them was for Jon Stewart's HBO project, which is the show he did after The Daily Show. And put this packet in and then uh, I actually, can I, this is kind of a long story, but I will tell it. it it's about, yeah, it, listen, we love a long podcast, so. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, because it also involves our other very good friend, Ashley Nicole Black. Yes. Um, we love it. So I get this, um, my manager calls me and she's like, John wants to meet you. He wants you to come fly out to New Jersey and um, you're gonna go right on his farm for a day. His wife has an animal sanctuary, and you're gonna you're gonna go down to Jersey. You're gonna ride on the farm for a day, and it was very clear that that was basically gonna be a writing test. That I was gonna spend the day writing, and that was gonna be a test to see if I got the job or not. And so I was like, "Are you? Oh my god, are you sure?" She's like, "Yes, but you have to cover your flight to New York." So at the time had just no money. Right. And so I was like, you're sure. She's like, yes, I'm sure. So I bought, you know, a ticket on spirit airlines to New York, getting out of second city shows were, was so hard. They were not, they, they were not, they would foster all this talent and then be like, you can't leave. You can't even leave the show for a day. No one can come in for you. You could be like, hey, I'm auditioning for a pilot. And they'd be like, go fuck yourself. You have well, you yeah. have a show to do and we're paying oh, you yeah, in chicken yeah, tenders. Yeah, yeah. You will stay. So anyways, oh. call Second City. I'm like, I'm very ill. I'm very ill. I can't come in tonight. I have strep throat. Um, and so pull out of this show. I and uh, my manager calls me and is like, okay, so John didn't know that you didn't live in New York and he doesn't want to bother you and upset your life. So he just wants to Zoom with you. Oh, oh no. And I was like, I've already, I've already <sighs> put the lies in motion. I bought the non I'm on my way. I'm on my way. I've bought the non refundable ticket. Like, what are you talking about? You said this was for sure. And so. What so I was basically like, well, I'm I'm going to New York no matter what. Like I already lied my way out of the show. I already have this plane ticket. Like I'm just gonna so I zoom with John. From New York? From Chicago. Oh, okay. <laughs> he offers me my manager was like, try and bring up that maybe you're gonna be in New York for like fun and you could come by. I was like, I don't oh know God. how to do that. <laughs> oh my um, God. So I zoom with John. He offers me the job. I get off the Zoom and get on a plane and go to New York City. <laughs> so while he had offered me the job, the the it was more like I could feel like I had gotten the job, but you still need like your agent to call you and all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, so right, right, right. I fly to New York where I meet Ashley, uh, who's my best friend from Second City. We were in our level one class together. And 
I like went and met my little brother who was living there at the time at a coffee shop and my phone rang and he thought I was talking to my mom. So he took a picture of me to send to our mom and it was my agent being like, you got the official offer, like you're in. And it was, it was so exciting. And now I have a picture of the moment and it, it was my first job in TV. And like, I had really been coming off this like heartbreak of my writing partner. And so it was like, I'm going to go to New York. And then Ashley and I went to celebrate at an all you can drink in sync cover band warehouse show. Oh my God. <laughs> um, oh and you my know, God. when you're broke and you spend $80 on your warehouse show, you're like, I'm going to get so fucked up. Like I have to like make my money's worth tonight. <laughs> so I Got so drunk celebrating that I threw away my phone and my wallet for no reason. <laughs> threw up in Ashley's elevator. <laughs> took off all of my clothes and got into her bed. She had made me a bed on the couch. I took off oh, all my no. clothes got into her bed. <laughs> <laughs> Ashley had been handed um, Adderall that night. And so she rode the elevator up and down waiting to find the one I'd puked in and cleaned it. She washed my clothes. And in the morning when I like could barely wake up, she turned to me and said, I figured it out. I know how Hillary Clinton can win the election. (laughs) Wait, but also why didn't she give that information to the Clinton campaign? She tried. Oh, she tried. We all tried together. We all, we all worked. That's how I met Chelsea. Because we yeah. were all working on some little project to try to help yeah. get Hillary Clinton elected. Yeah, they wanted to reach out to the youth and be funny. So they <laughs> hired us and then they used none of it. Um, yeah, and then I got on, a, I, you know, I had to go to the airport and be like, I have no ID, wallet, or phone. Like, can you prove who I am and let me get on this plane? And then I flew back home and did a show that night. <laughs> Wow. 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 So that's how I got the job. And then I moved to New York and then to Jersey for a year on a show that um, never aired. And that was that until. Yeah. Until now. Wow. And then you moved to L.A. A pivot and a vomit story. A pivot pivot and a vomit. (laughs) My favorite. My two. Yeah. Um, Well, I'm very excited personally that you're going to be coming to New York. Do you have the same feelings as a lot of last week on the show? We talked a lot about how hard it is to live here. Um, And, and I actually like, I have thoughts and feelings since last week, Casey, that I need to share and a story about it. Um, But Chelsea, are you like, what are your feelings? Are you nervous? Are you like not excited to leave LA? I'm not excited. Busy. I'm going to need your help, your support. Uh, I, you have it. I'm so fucking excited to have a friend coming here. I like can't even tell you. I'm so excited to have you there. I have such a bad relationship with New York. I basically am from all over the Southwest. We moved around a lot. And Same. Yes, of course. And you're from Arizona, Arizona. and I'm New Mexico. I, I'm all over, but my family landed in New Mexico, which is also why I have a special kinship with Busy because, like, South, I'm not going to call you Southwest trash, but I'll call me Southwest trash. <laughs> and Baby. And, well, I'm um, Southwest trash. Yeah. I mean, like, we love it. Like, when you notice other Southwest trash, it's there's a yeah. special little tingle you get. <laughs> did you read my, did you read my book? Um, so I have I've been waiting for to read your book to coincide with Girls Five ever coming out so I can plug 
the show. Okay, um, great. And also, I'm going to try you you have to come in and talk about 15 minutes on your book. I have read parts of your book, but I'm trying to hold it cuz I'm going to recap it on Instagram. And I have okay. someone the person I'm recapping your book with is like obsessed with you, so it's me very fun. Well, I just think I for, there's so much stuff in the front half of my book like about that is so specific to growing up in the Southwest and Arizona that like even when I was having the book edited line edited and like legal edited the editors would send me these notes that are like a wash like I don't know what a wash is sitting on the side of a wash what are you talking about (laughs) and I was like they're like you have to change that and I'm like I'm not changing it it is it's like a storm drain it's a it's for the flash floods like yeah desert like you have if you live in the desert you know what that is if you don't I don't know what to tell you. Like, then you just don't know what it, then you can look it up. It is a part of the country that people do not know about. Every time I write a TV show, it's always set in the Southwest because they've just, they're just ignoring us. When I, when I went to college in New York, um, this is how, this is how dumb I was. I had never gone to New York City and I was like, I want to be in entertainment. I guess that's where Broadway is. Like, I guess I'll go there. Like, had no concept of other cities. Yeah. <laughs> like, and then did you I, think you were gonna be a Broadway actor? I, I no. I think like coming from. I also didn't have TV growing up, and so I had like you can be Julia Roberts in Mystic Pizza. I guess is uh-huh. a career. And I was like, I guess I'll do that. Like I'll try and right. be, cause Julia Roberts, was what the ugly one, the weird girl. <laughs> right. and so, um, but yeah, I didn't really have a, I think I was like, I guess I'll have to try and be on Broadway. Like, I'm not really sure how this works. I was so dumb that I asked a friend who lived in a city, what kinds of coats you wear in the city. Wow. And they were like a coat. And I was like, yeah, but like what kind of coat do you wear in like a city? And they were like, what are you talking about? But they should have told me because I showed up in overalls and a T-shirt I got for free at a marathon. So (laughs) I, New York City kicked my ass harder than it could kick anyone's ass. Um, And when I got there, people would be like, if I, because I was, you know, coming from New Mexico, they're like, if I call your cell phone, will I get international charges? (laughs) I was like, it's. New Mexico. Or they would be like, um, they would be like, uh, why aren't you more tan? And I'd be like, okay, well, I don't know if you know this, but there's a ski resort 10 minutes from me. Like, right. like I've seen snow before. I've seen snow every year. And they're like, you have in New Mexico? It's like, oh, God. Oh, God, you guys. But to be fair, the reverse is true for me. Like when Mark and I started dating and we visited his family for the first time like over a holiday and I was like wait so we're landing in Virginia but we're going to Maryland but we're crossing through DC but then we're going to Pennsylvania for dinner what are you fucking talking about (laughs) like why is that a thing like I don't understand the United States is complicated for I mean when I was a little kid I saw a commercial for New England on TV like a tourism commercial for New England and I was like mom I want to go there and my mom was like you are there and I was like what What? that's amazing Well, here's what I want to say, Chelsea. I think that you coming back to be the head writer on Jon Stewart's new television show, probably in a little bit of time when the weather is not frigid, 
and things are going to start to like open back up a little bit and hopefully people are getting vaccinated and like it's I actually think that you might have a new experience with New York that is what I'm predicting for you why why do you think because I think because the city is the city is definitely different you know there's like they think at least like half like 500,000 people have like just split like left the city so it is just a lot less congested and sort of oppressive in that way Mm -hmm. and I think that the weather is going to get nicer and you're coming back like successful you're not like coming here as a you know like from New Mexico with your like free t-shirt you're like coming into this situation with like a boss ass job in an industry that like you know you only could have dreamed of succeeding in before And people, I will say, just from doing Girls 5 Eva, like all the crews, everyone is so fucking excited to be back to work that like everyone makes it like it's it's so enjoyable. Oh, I love that. To like be there, you know? Yeah. And because you'll be there as opposed to Girls 5 Eva, which Chelsea did from her own from, home from my in. couch and my zoom <laughs> in, in zoom you know what's interesting there's this um there's this comedian Yasser Lester do you guys know him oh my gosh shut <laughs> up <laughs> I was like for a sec did you see my face I was like what is I literally was like what is Casey doing you were like what has she doing? not what been is- dating him did I have <laughs> the wrong she- person <laughs> what is she doing so there- <laughs> Yasser is Chelsea's man but he has the most interesting theory on this which he says that it's hard to love your struggle city do you, you yes. must you must know this about him I'm doing the worst thing where you tell somebody something about their own boyfriend that they live with um but we had this yeah. really interesting conversation once where he said it's really hard to live it's really hard to love the city that you struggled in you know and but I struggled in LA I mean, you're a unique case, I guess. I I mean, L.A. is maybe not as hard of a struggle city as New York, I guess, because, you know, it's like still sunshiny and it gives the illusion of... Have you sobbed in your car on (laughs) Cahuenga when someone won't fucking let you in and you're late to an audition that you're definitely not going to get because they've already offered it to Tara Reid? (laughs) If the answer is no, then you don't know. Yeah, that kind of struggles I went through in those early days. For sure, for sure. Like, yeah, and, you know, and that happens in New York. But then, like, a semi goes by and splashes, like, you know, an entire sinkhole worth of mud water on you. You know, like that. Like that is true. Th- it just has that added layer. But he, but well, that's an yeah. interesting theory. I think. Yeah, it's super interesting, and he loves New York, um, and isn't such a big fan of LA. And I right. hate New York, and I love LA, and you know, LA is his struggle city. New York is mine. Um, is he coming with you? Yes. To an extent. I mean, like the man always has 10 jobs. You know what I mean? Here's what I was going to say. I, so I went to New York for school. It it was, I mean, it just kicked me in the ovaries and came out my mouth every day. Like New York had a foot that went up my ass and out my mouth every day. Like I, I just ate shit every day there. Have I described it well enough how badly I, <laughs> I got did it. I got okay. it. Okay. I got the I got You've the got idea. The me- okay, great. Mm-hmm. So I leave New York, go to Chicago because I realized my love was comedy. I just want to do comedy and Chicago, my rent was $300 a month in a, a windowless room. In New York it was 2000 a month for a windowless room. So, I'm in Chicago doing all this stuff. I get a job for John Stewart 
which is the story I just told. And everyone's like, you're going to love New York this time. You're going back as a TV writer. So then I already went back to New York, hated it again. (laughs) Yasser and I were long distance uh, when we first met. And we would keep being like, oh, Yasser is going to move here permanently. And we would move all of our stuff into a a new place. And then he would get a call to be on set uh, a week later and have to leave again. So... Um, so ideally he's coming with me, but also we both know he's going to get a job and have to leave. So we'll see. Um, I, you know, which is tough. I don't want to be long distance again, but it is what it is. Well, he says he's going to retire and live off of you. So and that is the funniest part is that I know he means it. Like if I really (laughs) do get to a place, I know he will stop. He will only do things he wants to do. He won't take jobs for money anymore, which it would, which would be. I, my, my feminist masterpiece would be to have taken a very successful man and he becomes a house husband. Like, <laughs> what an arc. He'll be like, um, when my kids were, the, very quick story, when my kids were in preschool, my younger son needed like a very complicated glasses prescription and his pediatrician recommended the number one pediatric eye doctor on the east coast and like my son just decided he hated this guy he was really little he was just a toddler and like you need the kid to do what you need them to do when you're trying to examine their eyes and so I went to like a PTA meeting at the preschool where I had been a mom for years and everybody was you know just catching up and one of the moms was like oh how's it going and I was like oh I had a bummer of a day because I had to take my son to the number one children's eye doctor on the east coast and he just hated his guts and wasn't gonna do what he needed to do and she was like oh shoot what are you gonna do and I was like I guess I need to find the number two eye doctor (laughs) on the east coast for children and uh, I just need to figure out who that is and this mom was like oh I guess that's me and I was like what (laughs) and I was like I've known you for like three years. I had no idea that you were even any type of doctor. She was an eye doctor. She was like, but like the best, the best. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wow, 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 wow. How are you? But that's also just... not the best. Number two. She was like, <laughs> I am number two. <laughs> because I guess this guy was legend and she was like, one day she'll be number one when, you know, but that's a woman for you, you know, just like going into Manhattan every day. I doctoring it up, making a name for herself, coming to the preschool in Connecticut and doing it all and never being like, oh, by the way, I'm a great doctor. FYI, everyone. Like, I had no idea. That's well, so funny. That's it. That's what that's you need. That's a woman for you. <laughs> that's what you need to do so that Yasser's like at a at some type of meeting and people are like, I don't know, I'm just looking for like a legendary comedic actor writer and Yasser's like, I know a guy I know who her. does that. Well, the funny thing is is that now I'm going to move to New York, put on a lab coat, tell people I'm a doctor, visit some preschools <laughs> um, <laughs> and hope that improves my New York experience when no, I'm going I'm back for the third you, time. I have a, I have a gut feeling. So last week on our podcast, Chelsea, Raymond, my assistant, and I were just having a lot of emotional feelings about how much we were missing L.A. And the day that the podcast came out on Wednesday, I had gone to this herbalist guy in Soho to try to fix me. It was it's like I'm taking 47 pills a day. (laughs) He like told me that my issues are systemic, which is like. 
That's the best <laughs> title for my second book now. Honey, all our issues um, are systemic. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> So, uh, and then my phone started to die as I was walking home. I tried to like buy a charger. I had like a day where New York was kicking my ass, you know, after spending an entire like three hour podcast talking about how New York like doesn't feel like home and I'm like missing LA and should we just like go back and what the fuck are we doing and all this stuff. But like, I had a really strong feeling like I needed to leave LA and I needed to be here. And so... And the kids are doing so well here. So it's like been a real struggle. Like Mark and I have been both of us like crying for weeks about like this. What are we do? Like that should we we don't know anyone. We have nothing here. Like we're not this isn't our we both like put in all the fucking time and energy and effort. And like L.A. was it for us. You yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I was walking through like toward sort of near where Ray's apartment is on my way to walk home. I was just like, I'm just going to walk home. I'm going to listen to music until my battery dies. This fucking Mophie didn't work. Asshole. And, uh, and I, and I was thinking about how sad Ray was when we were talking to him, Casey. Yeah. And so I texted him and I was like, Hey, there's no one, there's two tables available at bar Pistolino, which is like this little cafe on the street. And it was like the first day it was nice weather. And I was like, my phone's about to die, but do you want to come have an Aperol spritz with me? And he was like, yes. Hmm. So I went across the street and I was like, hi, I, and just as I like, I noticed they pulled the tables together and four people sat down and I was like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. (laughs) Yeah. Like you just have to be fucking kidding me. Yeah. But anyway, so I was like, there's two of us and she's like, it might be like 20 minutes. And I was like, whatever, dude, fine. I like at this point now I'm in for the fucking Aperol spritz. Yeah. Yeah. So. Ray comes and meets me. Oh, that was also the day that I found out that I had to get the boob biopsy. So I was feeling like a little fucking weird anyway. And then the acupuncture is like, you have systemic issues and you have to take all these pills. Anyway, I was just like, what the fuck is happening? Mark texts me like, are you are you okay? I'm like, I'm fine. Ray and I are having an Aperol spritz at Bar Pistolino. And he's like, well, my meeting's over, his Zoom meeting. Um, should I come down and meet you guys? And I was like, yeah, but my phone's about to die. So like, yes, but if you need anything, text right. So Mark shows up, we have another Aperol spritz and we're just like the entire conversation is like, should we just leave? Like, should we fucking pack it in? Like this is, I'm like what my show, I really feel like girls five Eva is probably coming back next fall. Yeah. You know? So like, I'm like, what, I I don't even know what that means. Maybe I just, then I have to commute. I don't even fucking know, dude. And, but that was the whole conversation. We get up, Ray's like, okay, guys, like, have a good night. You guys should get dinner. You should, like, like go to Via Carrata across the street, the pasta place, Italian restaurant. That's, like, amazing. And, like, one of those places where, like, everybody goes, but it's, like, cool, casual, and, like, not a big deal. Mark and I, by the way, have only done the, like, sitting outside thing in New York during this time because of COVID, this was would be the second time. Wow. Because yeah. I just, especially when I was working, I wasn't gonna risk anything. Right. And and like honestly, once it got cold, I didn't feel comfortable about those tents. That's you're just fucking inside, guys. Indoor what are dining. you doing? It's just indoor dining. <laughs> anyway, but Via Carrata's totally just sheltered heat lamps, but totally open. So we walk across the street, walk up to like the Mater D guy on the sidewalk and 
we saw like two empty tables there too, right? <laughs> and he's like, hey, there's just two of us for dinner. And the guy's like, did you have a reservation tonight? And I was like, no, we're just like walking up. And he's like, well, you know what? We are all full up. We are just fully committed this evening. But, um, you know, we do have takeout available and uh, delivery. And we're like, yeah, no, no, we've gotten. Okay, fine. And like, it was just that thing where we're like, we don't know anyone here. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll walk into Petty Cash at 7 p.m. on like a Friday night in Los Angeles and they're like slammed and they're like, guys, two and a half minutes, we'll, we'll see you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I have all the places like on lock in L.A. and I just was like, this is what it is. Like this is the fucking sign. We turn around to leave and Mark's like, oh, look, it's Andy Cohen. Oh, oh. <laughs> And so I kind of like half-heartedly waved toward him, but he was like down and kind of far away and like sort of I could he sort of saw me. And then I was like, I'm wearing a mask. I'm like wearing a, how the fuck is Andy? And then I was like, fuck this. I'm not going to let him think that I'm like a fan waving. <laughs> so, so I normally wouldn't do this. Like going up to people's tables is like not my vibe ever. Yeah. But because I felt like, I couldn't let that happen. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know? So I just like bolted down into like the seating section. And I'm like, Andy, hi, sorry, it, it's busy. And I pulled my mask down and then reveals he's sitting with, of course, SJP, Sarah Jessica. Of course. Ooh. And Amy Sedaris. Of course. Oh my gosh. And so anyway, so Mark's like right behind me and I'm just like, like, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry to like bust in. I just like waved it and then I felt awkward. And then I was just like, I didn't want you to think, ah, you know, I'm yeah. the most awkward person of all time. <laughs> and Andy's like, no, I'm so glad you came and said hi to me. Oh my God. Like whatever. <laughs> and Sarah Jessica, who I did that, I don't know how she does it movie with her. I think like eight years ago. Yeah. Um, was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't recognize you. I was like, Sarah Jessica, like, we haven't seen each other in literally like eight <laughs> years. It's fine. Yeah. But like, I just, just, hi, you know, whatever. Yeah. And, and she's like, do you know Amy? And I was like, well, we met on Kimmy Schmidt. And Amy's like, yeah. And you did the elf table read thing for us. I'm like, yeah. What was that for again? Like some, was it election recount chair? What the fuck did we do that for? What were we raising money for? Um, it was the runoff election guys. There in you Georgia. go. That's there you go. Okay. okay. Yes. 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 Um, and so anyways, nice to see you guys. And then Andy was like, wait, 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 what are you doing? Did you guys like move here? I'm confused by your Instagram. Like I, it feels like you like moved here. And so then I told, I told the table, like the Cliff's notes version of the story, which is like, we left LA for three weeks, week two, our friend Tina Fey called and asked me to be on this TV show, which is essentially my dream job, even though I quit acting. We ended up renting a house. We ended up getting our kids into school. And then somebody offered us cash for our house in L.A. when we were just going to rent it, but they just offered to buy it. We sold our house. The show was like the best job I've ever had. And now I'm like, and our kids are like thriving here and like doing so well. And so now I'm like, I guess we kind of live in New York. And the table erupted and we're so excited Aww. about 
us moving here and Sarah Jessica's like I feel like all I've been hearing about is everybody leaving New York but you guys moved here <laughs> I just want to say like I love it so much if you need anything between the three of us like we know everything here and it was like literally like as it, like the mayors of the West Village <laughs> like the three like 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 the three I don't know like the royal family of downtown Manhattan yeah 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 like like welcoming us and like and like blessing us and and just saying like you have to stay like they just kept going on oh, and on and on such a sign it was so it felt like really it felt really clear because we you know just on the turn and then of course we're like okay this was I just was started giggling I was like this is so funny thank you guys like their food showed up I'm like you guys enjoy your dinner Andy's like are you guys eating here you're eating here right and I was like I I don't know what we're doing I I just okay but you know walk and the mater d when I tell you uh. I feel like he leapt in front of us and was like actually we had a cancellation would you like to sit uh. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I will say I first off uh Andy and SJP being besties knew about it. Amy Sedaris was the th- a third I didn't see coming in that trio. Like Andy and Amy are really good friends. When I worked for Andy, one of my favorite things to do was to just try to find because you know when you're like a celebrity, people are always giving you gifts and like I, I mean this is this is gross to say, but every famous person I've ever worked for, like it's a lot of gifts and people are usually really generous and they pass them along. Cause you just can't keep them all. And you know, yeah. but it, it takes a lot. I guess what I'm saying is it takes a lot to impress a famous person with a gift. And one time we had an audience member who wore a, a vintage Snoopy sweater to watch what happens live. And Andy could not stop going on and on because he loves Wait, Snoopy. He's obsessed with Snoopy. He's obsessed right? with Snoopy. He, he like DM'd me when I was wearing my dad's vintage Snoopy t-shirt once. And he yes. was like, what is that shirt? Yes. I have to have it. He was obsessed with this sweater. And it was so funny because I kind of like half expected the guy to take off the sweater and give it to him. But he didn't. <laughs> he didn't. Good for and, him. <laughs> yeah. And so like I went on this nationwide search like for a vintage Snoopy sweater for Andy for Christmas because I was like, this is what he'll really want. Like more That's than really anything. Nice. Yeah. So I found the exact sweater for Andy, this vintage Snoopy Snoopy sweater and it was like luckily in his size and I brought it and got it like fixed up you know like made sure the seams were all good and that it was like properly cleaned and everything and gave it to him and like one of my favorite things is that he wore it to Amy Sedaris's Christmas party and so there's a like really cute picture of him and Amy Sedaris in front of a Christmas tree and I think he like tagged me in it because he was like I'm wearing the Snoopy sweater but yeah they're like really close friends and one of the highlights (laughs) of of working at Watch What Happens Live was when Amy would come around just to like be around her because she's just as funny behind the scenes as she like maybe even more funny behind the scenes as she is on yeah. camera I, I mean that. I'm like I've been such a huge fan of Amy since I was in high school and like I couldn't like she also was just being very effusive toward me yeah. about like my acting and how funny I was in the elf table read thing yeah and I was just like I was like Amy you have like I, I'm like I can't handle this like this <laughs> yeah. is too yeah this is this is now it's too far. Now she's we've real, gone too far. She's really she's kind. So kind. I like, love just that. The sweetest. But we felt like our movie, like our life was a fucking movie. Yeah. And if you had written that in a movie, people would be like, it's too far. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it really did feel after that, like, okay, like we, like we got, we were. 
blessed. <laughs> like we got the we got the blessing. Yeah. From the I you know. I feel like that story is yeah, it's like you needed a sign, you needed three people who are the mayors of downtown New York to emphatically tell you that you've made the right call. Your story to me is another reason why I'm gonna have a horrible time there. <laughs> No! <laughs> because you'll because, see SJP and she'll be like, I don't because, know who you are and I don't care what you're doing. <laughs> that that story for me is like, yeah, I'm going to try and eat somewhere and people will be like, no, bitch. And then I'll see a bunch of celebrities in there <laughs> who won't know me. And then I'll go home and write political news bits to try and make a tiny difference in the world with my dog. You'll have um, some DiGiorno. Listen, even if I want to say this, even if this story hadn't ended with the Mater D giving us the table. Yeah. I still would have left pleased yes with the oh, yeah. oh yeah for sure yes for and sure. you know what I it kind of reminded me of I was um when I was in Chicago for the I was in Chicago then went back to New York and I couldn't decide like I was like I really want to go back to Chicago but you definitely have this feeling of like I can't go from New York to Chicago like it just feels like going backwards and also when you're young like that there's all this pressure of like you know you carve out your little hole in New York and you can't give it up yeah uh, but I really wanted to go to Chicago and just as a general nicety, this guy I had babysat for his family who worked at Second City sent me a Facebook message saying, Chicago misses you. Come back. And now when I look back on it, I realize he was just he was just being nice and polite to whatever I'd sent him. But at the time, I was like, he wants me to go back because he knows <laughs> I'm he knows I should work at Second City. I should go back. <laughs> like full on was like, I'm moving. I'm moving. I'm going to Chicago. You know, this guy says the city misses me. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that you have to be careful with signs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you can turn we anything about into that a sign. Yeah. Exactly. Anything can be a sign. On that note, I did talk to an incredible psychic this past weekend. <laughs> Marcella Kroll. If you don't follow her on Instagram, highly recommend. Um, she's just incredibly insightful. But she did say that my choice to leave LA was correct and that I am protected in New York and I was not safe in LA. Ooh, so, that's pretty intense. So that's intense. And like, so between SJP and Andy Cohen and Amy Steris and then the psychic. This past weekend, I still don't feel totally grounded, but at least for this moment, I am okay. I am going to ask Casey if you can figure out how to send those nachos again. <laughs> oh, yeah. Those petty I, cash. Oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. You're the one I got you. I got it. you addicted to them, right? Yes. You were the reason I'm obsessed yeah. with petty cash and and search for it all the time. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I feel like I might be the reason like why like most people are and mm. I do feel like they should rename those fucking nachos here's oh after you yes. oh, yeah too busy nachos um here's a couple ways that we can go I think that we have a good relationship with petty cash and they did it out of the goodness of their heart and they mm -hmm. only made me pay for shipping because they wanted nice. to make you happy shipping nachos it's not something that is <laughs> incredibly easy so <laughs> I'm so grateful for to them for doing that um but also maybe they could just in instruct someone in New York and like maybe it could be like a an exchange program where they tell I gotta tell you something I think we should open up a franchise here. yeah yeah Chelsea yeah you yeah. and me okay I'm into it I, I'm an, I already know. need a hobby um, <laughs> yeah. okay can I say something about signs 
So, okay, so you guys know I do Celebrity Book Club. I've been reading these memoirs forever. In Rachel Dratch's memoir, she wrote about how uh, she was learning about manifesting and signs or whatever, and to ask for a very specific sign if if you needed. So you you call Mm -hmm. it to you. So I read about this in her book, and it has... That is a thing that has helped me end two relationships where I literally one time have been like, okay, if I'm supposed to break up with him, I want to see two golden (laughs) petals holding a golden orb, which is like, you know, where are you going to see that? And then I said to myself, and if we're supposed to stay together, I want to see a red ribbon. All right. That's pretty easy, right? Like I'm clearly trying to be like... (laughs) <laughs> we can just stay together, right? And uh, and I and I said I want to see it in the next four months. In the next four months, you know, show me a red ribbon or a golden orb. That's a long time. I went home. Um, he was rubbing my feet on the couch, and I and we had a tiny little Christmas tree on top of a microwave in New York City. So it was like above, but it was a mini tree. An ornament had broken off. Now a gold orb ornament had broken off. And so had my petal ornament on bottom had <laughs> had broken and they had smushed together. And from the angle I was at, like it was two petals holding a golden orb. That's insane. And I said, I think we need to talk. <laughs> I think we need to talk. And I so I think if you really are intentional and purposeful with your signs and put a lot of meditation mm-hmm. into it. I think they really work. I think if you're just walking around and just letting signs hit you in the face, then maybe we're back to astrology and, you know, your right ovary is your dad abandoning you type science. Yeah. I don't know. I think that I think that there is I think that you can also not say specifically like an orb and two petals, although that is kind of amazing. Wild. I do think you can I do believe in being like really specific in yeah, in things that you say. And, like, I always write things down, too. Casey knows this. That's, like, my witchery. It's true. Love of, that. like, manifesting. Yeah. Um, but I just feel like, I do feel like we were, in that case last week, like, we were definitely asking for a sign. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that whole thing, that whole exchange, the whole thing was a sign. Oh, that was fully a sign. I was more talking about if you're like, a bird flew by. I guess we should stay. <laughs> Well, Chelsea, that year, I mean, also my, I think my kids could have told you a month earlier that you were going to break up with that guy. Casey. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's so funny because Casey came on my podcast and (laughs) I, I introduced everyone with the story of how we first met. And I was thinking like, is Casey going to go into that story? Like, I don't know. And we didn't go into it there. So it's fair to go into it here, but I went to her I want to say lovely, lovely human, so kind. But I went to Casey's Thanksgiving and I brought my I brought my boyfriend at the time and I brought my brother. Important to this story is that both my brothers are my half brothers and my younger brother is really tall. He's like six foot three or something. And so always when I'm with my brothers, people will assume we are a couple before they assume we're related because we're half siblings. Um, but that said, I did have my boyfriend there with me who was my actual boyfriend and Casey's sons, based on the way we were acting, thought my little brother was my boyfriend and my boyfriend was my brother. 
<laughs> oh my god now can we call that a sign <laughs> yes they were saying here to be fair what they said was they were like that chelsea is amazing she's so great it was so nice to meet her both of the guys were nice too but we could not tell who was the brother and who was the boyfriend we couldn't get it straight all day so based on the level the equal level of a of heat that is not well you know the the sibling relationship will go on but the romantic relationship will not i i will say i will say this too um and i won't say who said it but but a, a a celebrity who i was working with um you know, I went through this breakup with that boyfriend pretty shortly after, and they were like, oh, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. We we broke up, we cried, and then we um, got a pizza and watched a movie. And they went, Jesus, was that over? And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. And I will say, I still think of it really successfully because I've only had really – horrific things in my life and this was just a very nice peaceful relationship where the parting was very easy that also was the problem of the relationship yeah it was like we're we're just both very nice people and if we're both nice you can make something work for a very long time even if it shouldn't and so because we're nice you know and so um but yeah it, it was like oh yeah if you break up and you're able to just calmly eat pizza and watch a movie like you probably should have broken up a long time before that, which, you know, we had tried before, but, um, but yeah. So anyways, but that's also somebody that is just like, you know, it might not be your forever partner, but you got to kind of give it up to somebody who just wants the best for you. And as much as I'm like, uh, Oh, I'm, I'm so happy we broke up and I'm so happy that, that, um, it's just so wild to even think that was a possibility now in my current life where I'm like, I can't believe I was on that trajectory. That said, same <laughs> for him. This person is probably like, I can't believe I almost married that psycho witch. You know what I mean? Like, remember when I was almost going to marry that psycho witch? Like, I'm so happy for him to live his lovely life. We weren't going to get married, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah. it, it's just, it was just so good for well, both everyone of us. could almost get married. Yeah. At any I mean? moment. Sure. Yeah. Why not? We don't, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Um, I don't think we definitely God. I was at a wedding and I was sobbing and my friend was like, this wedding's so beautiful. And I was like, this wedding is really beautiful, but I'm definitely not supposed to be with the person I'm supposed to be with. Um, but Oh my God. I know. Um, so different things hit us at different times. Yeah. Now knowing where I'm at now with Yasser, where it's like, Oh, I can't believe I was ever going to is, I mean, do you guys ever think of that where you're like, Oh, what if I'd missed what if I'd missed my person because I was too afraid to break up with someone or, oh you know, whatever, gosh. like, yeah. what I if was, I'd missed this? I was fully entangled with somebody who was so, so, so wrong for me when I met Matthew. And I've probably said this on the podcast before, but Matt and I met auditioning to host the same radio show in college. We were like competing against each other and that. then they decided to make us co-hosts. And so we had oh. like a real Sam and Diane thing going on because we were both like, I should be the host of this. I don't even even know why we're like put together or whatever but after a while Matt was like listen I have gotten to know you a little bit I like you I would like to take you out uh but you are with this other guy and I wouldn't feel comfortable going behind his back so you'd have to break up with him oh my gosh (laughs) here's the thing here's the thing I can't guarantee that we'd ever go out more than once 
Oh like my God. I, I just don't know. Wait, I'm yeah. like obsessed. But what a fucking move. But yeah. also, break I, up with your boyfriend so we can go out once. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, but he was like, I can't guarantee. Like, w- yeah. like maybe we won't like each other. And he was like, but here's what I do think. I think either way, you would be better off. Aww, oh, he was right. Casey, this is such he was a beautiful right. story. Because, I love it. Yeah, the best partners are the ones that like want the best for you regardless. Like even though I'm like telling funny stories, of, well, I don't know if they're funny, telling stories about this relationship, it's like <laughs> I, I want the best for him. And you know what I mean? And like yeah. he deserves all these great things and it's so good we're not together, but it's like you can still be good humans to each other, which is something I didn't learn until that relationship. Yeah. I think it's something that a lot of people struggle with and they think that, you know, they get sort of wrapped up in in what the bigness of emotions sometimes and like feeling wronged or too, too dramatic about things when it's like if you really are a person that can like sit with reality in your relationships, like sometimes things aren't as dramatic as they get made. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, even if somebody is like, oh, my God, and my husband like had a girlfriend for and you're like, Okay, but let's just back it up. Like what what's happening? Like what is happening there and like really be truthful. Like even when there's I don't know, even when there's what's the word, guys? Dishonesty. Mm. Even when there's dishonesty yeah. involved, I think that like it's you have to always check back in with yourself about what is true for you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think like For me, it was definitely, uh, oh, I've like finally matured because to be in a relationship where like when you break up, you're not like, I hope they die. You know, (laughs) like that means you've picked better. You've chosen better. You know, whether you work out or not, if you had a peaceful breakup, like you're doing better choosing. Well, guys, I think we did great choosing this week and choosing Chelsea to be our co-host. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, before we get to our guest, I just want to real quick, what are you doing your best at this week, Casey? Um, I gave myself a haircut, a pandemic great. haircut, and I think I did a pretty good job. It looks um, great. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, it does look really cute. Thank you. It's a little Callista Gingrich, but, um, you know. I but disagree. It feels like but... a deep cut. That feels like a deep cut. But Well, you can look up a picture of Callista. Her, I would say her hair is the best part about her, mm. but I think that, uh, you know, I did pretty well. The only bad part is I did it with these scissors that I got from Target. Um, I have hair cutting scissors. <laughs> But I did it with these like decorative target scissors that they're like big gold scissors like the tethered people have in us. So they're kind of scary, but they're sharp as fuck, but they're really big. So I figured like if I'm going to reach back there and cut my own hair, I put it in a little pigtail. It only works for like an angled bob. In my opinion, if you want an angled bob, you can do it yourself. If you want any other type of haircut, like maybe you got to wait until the panini's over. And here's the secret to it. So you gather your hair hair and you know I, I'm a DIY bitch I will do I would do surgery on myself if I thought I could save $50 <laughs> um so you gather your hair like in a ponytail down at the nape of your neck like at your hairline and then you get your big extremely sharp scissors from Target and don't like you don't hold them perpendicular to your hair and then try to like saw through your hair that's where people make a mistake in a self haircut you hold them almost like parallel to your hair and you snip up into the ponytail like a hundred little snips so that you're like adding like a little texture to your ends and like if you have someone who can you know be back there and maybe 
maybe help you out if you miss a few strays. I didn't happen to have someone. My husband has helped me many times in the past. But um, but because I was by myself, I also did at one point cut the elastic band that I was using to hold my hair <laughs> where it needed to be. And I did cut my hand. But those are like overall, you know, just two small casualties for like, I think, a pretty decent haircut. And now I just have I- to do my roots. Looking at it right now, looks phenomenal. Thanks. Thanks. And I like saved like $60 because let's face it, I wouldn't have paid more than $60 to get this haircut if I was going to a hair salon. So there you go. Um, I love that. Chelsea, <laughs> doing my best stats. Um, you know, I, uh, I, we're currently hiring writers for the show and I really wanted to change the way it's done and make the process more equitable. So we did a bunch of crazy things in order to do that. And, uh, I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to take notes and write it down so that the system could be passed on if anyone wants it. Um, Casey, did you talk to Chelsea? Did you talk to Casey about what we did when we did our show? We did kind of back when we were doing it. So like Chelsea was one of the people that like when I was alone in LA and just in that weird like Universal Studios office building would like come over from where she was on the lot to visit. And so we talked about the process back then. And then we talked a little bit about it when she was like endeavoring to do this. Yeah. And when Casey wrote that you wrote this great article about how to be more equitable at the workplace and reading through that. And so then, yeah, now being in the place where it's like, you really can have an impact. But the thing I'll say is that like, we really opened up the hiring process, which also means you've created more work. Yes. And so it's really thinking of, which is, which is fine for me, but in terms of like other places who want to do this, do you have the budget to handle more work? Do you, how do you make being more equitable, not something that's also more of a financial burden? Like how do you weigh those two things? And so, um, that's what I'm doing my best at right now. I wish I had something else to say, but I've literally been reading packets non fucking stop. Casey, do you I have remember nothing that, else to those say. Binders of packets. Yeah, just like thousands. We had And thousands. I'm sure you guys got so many more submissions than we did because John Stewart v me, obviously. <laughs> but uh but Jesus, I mean, and we really like people were like, you didn't read all of them. We're like, we, we read really did. every single one. Oh, yeah. If people oh, yeah. submitted through agents, managers, uh, Twitter, Instagram, like blindly submitted to my management company at the time. Yeah. Like, all of them. We read all of them. I mean, we found Shant- Shantira was was Shantira through her manager I don't know if Shantira, I can't remember if Shantira was like Shantira either. was through me, you guys. Maybe. I think Shantira yeah. was through you. Casey maybe, had reached out and asked for writers to recommend, and I'd sent 10 names. Maybe yeah. she also came through a manager, but I, sent, I remember sending Shantira's name. You know what was really great, too, and it was actually really helpful, is that a lot of people, like I reached out to a lot of people that I respected, saying, like, are there people that are like maybe unrepresented or that just haven't broken in yet that you think deserve to have some eyes on them? And you would be shocked at how many people had like overlapping recommendations from two, three, four, five, six people. And so that really helps you be like, oh, okay, let me like open my eyes to this, you know? Yeah. I also, I find it very, cause, cause our packet, because we're in a pandemic and people are losing their minds, our packet blew up on Twitter in a very weird way. Like kind of any moment before this, you wouldn't tweet about a job you're applying to currently, right, no. you know, it's just for any job. Um, 
but what what came out of it is that it's very frustrating for me that there's this thing out there that packets don't get read and people only hire their friends that absolutely was the case in the generation before but like busy's show is here casey is here like i there are people here who are reading every single fucking packet and really making efforts and so i it's like I talked to people who got discouraged from applying to our show because they figured it would never be read. And it's like, I have made a, a, every single packet got read, you know? So it's like, I I wish we could get, get the rumor out there of like, same with the John Richard. Like I got hired off a blind packet submission and I thought like, oh, someone else would be reading for John. John had retired. John read every single packet, every single blind submission himself and then picked mine and I got hired. And it's like, yeah. What would I have done if I thought like, oh, there's no way. It says a lot, though. It says a lot that like you almost have to do like a little bit of psychological counseling. Like it's so weird. Like you're the head writer of this new show and you almost have to like counsel people. It's almost like therapy because so many people have sort of been burned in this process that hasn't been equitable and that has been you know you said it yourself like and Shantira said it a million times and I certainly know it I've done gazillions of packets and like I can count you know on my hands and your hands like how many meetings I've gotten from the gazillions of packets that I've done and it's just like seems weird especially when you you know you have eyes you compare yourself to other people that are like just getting job after job and you're like how is this happening (laughs) totally so weird and it's and it's weird and as women we're taught to be like oh well I'm like having a huge ego I'm thinking that I'm so much more you know talented or equally talented to this person that keeps getting called in but then like but then you just are, you know, <laughs> like you just like you have to admit it. Like you just I just am as talented as this person. I know that I am or I know that I'm actually further along and more evolved as a writer than this person. What's happening? And like, I'm sure something goes into it. Like people are like, oh, they're experienced and they know what this is like, like day to day or whatever. But like that only counts for so much. Like those are things you can be taught really quickly. That's like being taught to fold the shirts at the gap. You know what I mean? You (laughs) don't know how to do it on your first day and you know how to do it by the end of your first day. So like it only accounts for so much, but it's, it says a lot about the process in the past. Well, I also think that there's always been a thing in entertainment and writers rooms that is, you know, like that the gatekeepers have kept it um, exclusive by giving the impression that only a very small number of select people are even able to do it. And that every, you know, and like that it's just so hard. It's so hard. Yeah. And uh, that's just not, not true. But also um, one of the reasons why like those people like they would get, keep hiring their friends and, those people had more experience and so then like no one's questioning it because they had more shit on their resumes because they just kept getting totally the shots totally I don't know dudes totally over it totally I I will say I I do it is very hard to me but not in the way it's presented to others like it's so hard you can't do it it's like oh no if you study if you study you can do it you know yeah and and yeah you're right like someone who gets in without having talent or without being a kind person or without being a good person to be around once they're in 
keep, they keep going. That's how it works. You have experience. And so you want to get hired, but all to say is that like, to me, that stuff inspires me. Every time I see a horrible person succeed, who I know, like you have no talent, you have no work ethic and everyone doesn't like you and they succeed. I go, well, if they can do it, uh, surely I must be able to have a chance right. because I'm at least working hard and kind. Right. Right. Yeah. It's really interesting. And also like just for anyone out there that's aspiring, one thing that really broke my heart when we were doing busy tonight is that like, you know, if we could have hired 24 writers, like a basketball team full of writers, we would have, because certainly there were more talented people available to us than we had slots for jobs. So I really did try to just get back to people and be like, you were so close. Keep going. You were really in the mix. It's just when it came down to it, we were only budgeted to hire three writers. That was, yeah, it. we like didn't have and, the space. Yeah. And you know, but you were, you were really, really close and I'll recommend you for other things that I hear about or whatever. Yeah. Like I, there were people that we met with that like made, a huge impression and then at the at the end of the day like our budget was not so small (laughs) yeah I hope everyone knows that three writers is minuscule and you pulled off a feat you know what I mean like the late night jobs I've been on that's why I'm here to tell you I'm here to tell you I've late night staffs I've been on much bigger staffs than that and three is well is very small they all are like at least what at least at 10, least 10 I will say minimum six minimum yeah. six but I've been in staffs of 12 and for a tv show staffs of, of 12 and 15 like, I'm right. sorry not TV I, show, for, a narrative I show. think it's a woman thing uh when I was at the Rosie O'Donnell show that was a an hour daily show and the show went from like I think it had six writers minimum uh, for like a huge budget show and it went down to in the last season there were two no oh my god and it was fine it was fine it was me and this guy alan katz we knew what we were doing and we could totally handle it by that point but yeah there were two writers and i just i'm like i feel like if a man was hosting this show they would dig around and find a little more money for they'd find a little more money (laughs) obviously all right well what am i doing my best at this week i don't know that's what i want to know your nails are off the hook Thank you. I made them short. They're great. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get all the health stuff under control. I'm just, you know, trying to feel good. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just taking it a day at a time is what I'm doing my best at this week. Um, We had the pleasure of my 90s teen heart to talk to Ani DeFranco. It was very exciting for me (laughs) and Casey but probably more me a little bit. (laughs) Um, And it was really interesting. Yeah. And I mean, fascinating. Yeah. So why don't you guys take a listen? Hey guys, you know that credit card, the one that you're afraid to look at to see what the balance is? Yes. You've Okay. Well, listen, if you've been avoiding your debt, it's time to confront it. Upstart can help you face it and finally pay it off. Upstart is the fast and easy way to get a personal loan to pay off your debt all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. 
Upstart finds smarter rates with trusted partners because they assess more than just your credit score. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front for loans from $1,000 to $50,000. You can get approved the same day and can receive funds as fast as one business day. If debt is taking over your life, it's time to get a fresh start with Upstart. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash best. That's upstart.com slash best. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. Go to upstart.com slash best. Hey guys, listen, it might still be 32 degrees outside, but I put on a cute little spring frock today. Granted, I'm wearing long underwear under it, but you get the point. Listen, maybe you want to look at your wardrobe and see if you need to make a change for the season. Stitch Fix can help you choose new pieces that you're going to love. Stitch Fix offers clothing hand-selected by expert stylists for your unique size, style, and budget. It's a completely different and really fun way to find clothes that you're going to love to wear. Every piece is chosen for you in your fit and your life, and it's the easiest solution to finding what makes you look and feel your best. You can try on pieces at home before you buy, and then you keep what you love, and then you just return what you don't. And get this, there's no subscription required. You can try Stitch Fix once or set up an automatic delivery. You'll pay just $20 for a styling fee for each box, which gets credited towards the pieces you keep. Stitch Fix has styles and clothing to fit any occasion for women, men, and kids. They ship all over the U.S. and are available in the U.K. as well to our U.K. listeners. So get started today at stitchfix.com slash best and you're going to get 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. That's stitchfix.com slash best for 25% off when you keep everything in your fix. Don't forget stitchfix.com slash best. Listen, HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store, makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why, that is why it's America's number one meal kit. I genuinely enjoy HelloFresh. If you haven't tried it yet, now's your chance. Um, HelloFresh offers 10 to 20 minute meals, low prep recipes, quick breakfasts and lunches. It's perfect for your busy sketch with 25 plus recipes to choose from each week. There's something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. I've tried them all because I'm always looking for a shortcut, especially when feeding everybody in my house. Um, and HelloFresh has been just like one of my favorite things that I have tried and it's super easy. And if you're me and you're not great at cooking, (laughs) HelloFresh makes it super easy because they like do it all for you. Basically you just do minimal prep and then throw it together. And everybody's like, Ooh, this was good. You are a good cook, but I will say that I feel like we're all in a rut right now where you're just like, yes, I mean like who doesn't love food, but now we're all like, Oh, food again. And it's also hard to get motivated because you're like, I know there's food in the fridge, but like, I just have to like prepare it all. And it's, it's just a lot. So just knowing that you have something there that's going to be delicious and it's already Mm -hmm. like 
so much of the work is already done. Like it's much yeah. easier just to fire up the stove and, and live your best life. Live your best life, guys. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 12best and use code 12best for 12 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash 12best and use code 12best for 12 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Ani DeFranco. Hi, it's so great to meet you. Oh my God, it is lovely such, to meet you. It's such an honor to meet you. We, I'm, a, we are both huge fans. This is Casey. Casey, I'm busy. Phillips. Yeah, and I love your name, Busy Phillips. Thank you. <laughs> and I love the name of your show. I love. Thanks. I like you already. All right. Well, listen. <laughs> I think we're gonna get along. Um, so Ani DeFranco. I don't even know where to start. This is like, since you don't know a lot about me, I'm just going to like make this about myself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But you've had such a huge impact on my life and my career and my activism Uh, and how I use my privilege and my voice. And, mm. uh, and really I've been listening to you all day and I'm 10 years younger than you. So when your music was coming out, it was like at a very seminal moment in my life. And it's not hyperbolic for me to tell you that you are one of like two, maybe three musicians (gasps) that that truly like saved me in such a Mm. deep and fundamental way as Mm. like a young woman in the 90s. coming of age in that very fucking weird time and uh and I I can't even tell you how excited I am to be having this Uh, conversation right now yay well I love that I'm I'm glad my music could be there for you but also (laughs) on you also like your Mm. presence as a trailblazer as somebody who at like age 19 was like yeah you know what fuck this I think maybe we do it the way I want to do it. And yeah. so I guess because we talk about pivots on this podcast, I uh, guess I sort of want to like start there, which is that you obviously were super talented. You were left school when you were a kid. Like you started playing guitar in bands at like 14, 14, or 14, <laughs> yeah, three right? or yeah. four. You yeah. were like, you were like essentially Beethoven, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With equally ridiculous hair at every step. But I guess I was thinking, cause I read a thing. Our kids are very similar ages. We have kids oh, that wow. are very similar ages. Um, and I was reading about how you admire, like how you think Billie Eilish is just like doing it right she's such a badass and yeah. your kid loves her yeah and I was thinking like that's so funny the way you were talking about Billie Eilish I was do you not recognize that in yourself <laughs> or maybe that is what you recognize you know because what gave you that feeling at 19 like I'm gonna issue this thing that everybody else is doing this path that everyone mm-hmm. else is taking mm-hmm. and I'm gonna just see if I can like put this shit out by myself what was yeah. that? Yeah. Um, a whole lot of attitude, I guess. <laughs> and yeah, and and 
and also I, impatience, like super impatient. Like I'm not going to wait around for the team of professionals. I just can't handle and like trying to play the game enough to get the people in my corner with the money and the stuff and the things that help me. It's just like, ah, I can't, I'm, I, I, I don't know. I felt, I felt, felt like my forward momentum. I was on a mission, you know, I just had a, I had a vision. I had a, and, and to all of that seemed like distraction, you know? Yeah. And the yeah. mission, the mission of like connecting, I, I could satisfy my mission without them. I proved it every night on stage, you know, connecting with people and, and that kind of connection, like you talk about the young you that was searching for affirmation or some, you know, like somebody to tell them what they already knew, right. you know, there's right. so many of us. I mean, that's every human being. You need what you already know and who you already are to be reflected in the world so that you no, right. I exist. Right. That's not a, th I'm not crazy. This is, I, I'm in a context. It just was harder for me to find it. And now, you know, and it gives you life to see yourself reflected. I mean, I'm the same and people have done that for me. So, you know, that, that like actually achieving that kind of connection was happening without the team of professionals. Right. So, I'm so glad that at that young age, because you basically made your own record label at a really, really young age before it was very easy to do such a thing. Right. Well, like this is pre for people listening who are, you know, of a different generation. This is pre internet <laughs> guys. Like there was no MySpace. There was no fucking Facebook. No SoundCloud. There was no, yeah. no SoundCloud. It was literally impossible what you did <laughs> and you did yeah. it and were, yeah very yeah, successful. That's kind of, that's kind of one of my favorite parts of my story as it's, you know, <laughs> being whatever, um, cemented in the world that it was pre-internet, you know, just, just that, I think that's a subtle, but really important distinction that not only do you not need all those middlemen, even without this technology that helps you cut out all the middlemen and go from your bedroom to the world, even with, even without it, even before it, you didn't need it. You didn't need it. I'm here to say <laughs> that, I mean, it takes a lot longer and I certainly didn't do it alone. It, you know, that's not exactly true. You know, I had, well, my boyfriend and my best friend and then my, you know, and they started working for me, with me and, and we sort of built a team and associations and over the years, Righteous Babe really turned into a thing that it is now, which is kind of a real record label. God damn it. Um, <laughs> so it was a it was a process and it took a long time. And I did have the help of my near and dear and my friends and people I trusted and people I thought, you know, that were my people that got involved. But um, yeah, I just I like it that I mean, and now it just shows that with this technology, it's that much more possible. Right. Yeah. But then I guess the question is like motivation mm -hmm. for a lot of artists. Right. Because to me, if your motivation is financial gain, fame, maybe doing the your own label, self-releasing having a connection with people isn't like the avenue, right? Right. Right. Yeah. If you want to fast track it, definitely not. You know, <laughs> but if you, you feel but like 
to be fair, Ani, your first album came out in 1990. Is that when Righteous Babe was like established? Mm-hmm. Okay, so in 90, I want to say like 98, 97, 98, I saw you play a huge fucking theater in Los Angeles, like where <laughs> mm-hmm. big acts play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it? it was the Mayan, maybe it was the Mayan theater. But like, so that's a relatively short, I mean, it's seven years, but that's still a... Well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, and only you, Busy, don't tell anybody. <laughs> I actually... <laughs> Made a record before my first record. (laughs) So even before Righteous Babe was kind of a a twinkle in my eye, I was definitely playing gigs, you know, from the time I was, well, whatever, sort of 10. But then when I was a teenager, 14, 15, I start really playing gigs, you know, weekly gigs, hosting open mics, you know, in the trenches in Buffalo. Uh, And so I would say it was about a 10-year ride between starting to record and sell my tapes at my shows and being on that stage you were talking about. I mean, that's a decade, but that's like for doing it all yourself feels. And at that age, that is what is so striking. So striking to me about your career is just that at that age, I think about what I was thinking about when I was 14 and 15 and what I was believing I was capable of, especially independently mm-hmm. it's so impressive to me oh dude but now i look out and there's like 12 year olds in front of me and i'm like look <laughs> at you i had no idea a 12 year old that i could be me look at you well that's what so that awesome. was what was so funny about this article i was reading where you were talking about billy eilish where i was like yeah but you were billy eilish like yeah. you just you're in your brain when, when you look back on it you don't see it that way well, I definitely know. I think that I definitely relate to her as a young, the young Ani, you know, the Muppet baby Ani is like, oh, <laughs> here I am again. But, but, I, and I, because I just believe her, she's just doing her and she's doing yeah. it very authentically. And she's coming from a very unique and specific to her place, you know, which is more and more rare, you know, in this world, right? But I think the big difference is what we were just talking yeah. about is for her, there was a bit of an overnight success right. uh, thing that happened to her. Her first record comes out, boom, she's ruling the world. That's got to be a super hard uh, to go zero to 60 that way. You know, I feel like I wouldn't trade those 10 years that it took me f- to go from zero to 60 because... I would not have wanted to be on a world stage at 16 or whatever, like her, you know, the, the fact that it was 10 years of a long, slow, really, if you were there for the whole thing, like me, <laughs> at every freaking like felt slow, Donnie DeFranco show. Yeah. <laughs> and watching, you know, it was a bit excruciating sometimes because, you know, I won't name names, but some chicks like would be opening for me one day. Next day, their videos all over MTV for mm-hmm. those that remember what that was. Yeah, and you know they're on the covers of every magazine, and I'm back in that same bar another year, another year, another year. And so, but I feel like those were very important years for helping me in the in the long run. You know, yeah. just to acclimate 
to what that means to be a public person, to hone my craft on stage, the nights when you bomb and the nights when you say the wrong stuff and do the wrong stuff and forget the right stuff. And <laughs> <laughs> But would you say, I mean, you must have like people must have approached you and you still were just very steadfast in your vision there was no part of you that was like, well, I could just make a video and be real sexy. I'm just saying, <laughs> was there ever the moment where you looked and somebody was like, yeah, why don't you bring this righteous babe over to Interscope and we'll talk? You know what I mean? Like, definitely. I'm sure there that happened. A, there was a lot of moments and I had some lunches. I had some lunches. <laughs> I had some meetings. And they were good lunches. I needed food. You know, <laughs> but... a good lunch. Always take the lunch. Yeah. yeah. Take the lunch. But then I could just, I, and I don't know, and I, it's hard for me to even say why I always walked away. But it was just like, just like a sense. It was like an aroma. It was like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't smell, I don't smell it. You know, right. I'm feeling like in order to be me, I got to go this other way. Ani, can we make a sweatshirt that says, I don't smell it? I don't smell it. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> I'm really not smelling this. I don't <laughs> smell it. Like I, but I really, really, Casey and I both, I know really, really deeply to that. The yes. unfortunate thing is like for me, a parts of in my career at times, I was like, I definitely don't smell this, but like, I have no fucking choice. I just have to do this this way because I didn't see another avenue. Yeah. And honestly, you didn't see it either, but you just forged the way. I mean, we all are working within different parameters. So I don't know, maybe I was kind of self-righteous in the beginning and like, ah, I'm done doing it better. <laughs> um, but really everybody has to make their own choices. So I don't imagine anybody else could do it the way I did it. You know, I had my friend Scott who went to law school and he knew the law and he knew business because his dad started a business and this and that. And he helped me construct the actual thing that became Righteous Babe Records. Again, I had other talented friends who decided to get involved. And so I had I had that, you know, mm -hmm. not everybody has that, you know, yeah. we all, sometimes it's like, okay, I got to work the system cause I don't have any other way. And so I'll try to do it my way or, you know, there's a lot of ways to skin a cat. <laughs> oh my God. I say that a lot. And my daughter, my youngest yeah. was like, why would you say that mom? <laughs> why? Why? Be say because Ani says it. That's why. <laughs> Talking about all the people that sort of pitched in to, to, be your community and help you forward. It must speak to who you were even back then that people were like, I do smell it. And to have people be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can totally see it. I'm on board. I'm in. You, did you realize at the time that that's kind of remarkable to have that ability to have that effect on people? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I guess even at the time, it's just to when I figured it out, you know, I, I was a teenager or I don't know that it was like figuring out, but when it started to happen, when, when I could shut up the bar, you know, and 10 people, okay. Mind you, that was 10 <laughs> people that I got to be interested for, for two minutes, but, but when, but then, yeah, just sort of making that connection and finding a point. Yeah. Like striking someone's interest, um, that, 
and and people immediately you know i started one of my strokes of genius pre-internet was a mailing list <laughs> oh it was it was called a mailing list yes. at the time and i started putting it out like whenever i played and people would sign it they would put their addresses on it and then no matter where i was i'd be playing in a you know a, a coffee shop or a cafe or something when i started driving around the country first regionally and then coast to coast like in a you know in a 69 beetle with my <laughs> guitar and going and playing these very you know some a lot of my gigs were yeah in minneapolis you show up at this address <laughs> and you're playing for tips you know yeah and everybody will be eating but <laughs> i could get somehow i left there with five names on the mailing list and every time i would send a postcard when i went back to minneapolis those five people would show up and there was an intense connection that started happening pretty quickly and i did recognize that that was extraordinary even for me you invented data mining <laughs> And I'm now I'm controlling all of those people <laughs> ever since. Well, I have to say you are like a person, an artist and like a visionary that I always think you're like one step ahead in your lyrics. You're always just very prescient in mm. the things that come out. I even have to say you're autobiography came out in 2019 and it's entitled guys if you haven't read it you should get it it's entitled no walls and the recurring dream I mean that's like what we fucking went through in 2020 like just the title mm. alone was like, mm. ah! <laughs> like we're, <stuck. laughs> we're yeah. in this recurring dream um yeah. has that just always been your life are you just one of those people that's always like I say a thing and then a year later you're like, oh, there's that thing that I said. D well, yeah, definitely art. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much that it always comes through the songs first. And often I don't know, what does that mean? What am I doing? What am I on about? And then later on, oh, yeah, that's, I think this is what I mean. Here it is happening or what I meant, you know, it's, yeah. uh, I guess I'm just trying to say, you know, that creative process, I'm certainly not the first to notice that it, when you tap into consciousness, that is what we all have this ability and probably all do it in some ways in your dream or in your meditation or when you're, you know, running and you get into the zone or whatever mm -hmm. it is that is your way of going beyond you know, conscious knowing and tapping into something deeper and wider. And I feel like, you know, when it's really happening, that's what I do as a songwriter. So I feel like it often, yeah, I do feel like a sort of a canary, even in my own coal mine, like <laughs> yeah. warning right. myself about things about me, even in, in the future. So when you, I have a question about the songwriting. I had an opportunity to talk to another songwriter that I love deeply also who meant a lot to me um Tori Amos and mm -hmm. she has a very specific way that she speaks about the way that her songs come through to her which is like they're these girl these girls and they show up and it's like wow pretty <laughs> amazing cool um but you're kind of truly describing a very similar thing which is like opening yourself up and like letting it come through so how 
does that work in your process? Do you prefer to do it with others by yourself? Are you on stage? Are you in your studio? Is it all of the above? Um, way alone, way alone. Like if, if there's anybody even in earshot, I feel inhibited. I, I mean, I had to, I guess I had to really learn cause it's hard sometimes to get a room of one's own <laughs> to create in, yes. you know? So, um, I had to learn how to do it when the babies, you know, are busy throwing up on something else. <laughs> oh, I can jot things, something down or in the tour bus and people are having a conversation and, oh, I can go into my head, you know, do it when there's other people. But ideally for me, I'm totally, totally alone. That's when I feel the most free and unfettered. And it kind of just, and what, how do you, is there a way to describe it for you? Like it just sort of drops in or you feel, or you like it comes out all at once or is it arduous? I mean, yeah, I feel like it's super subconscious. I mean, the most thing I would say about how does it work for me is I don't really know. Cause I kind I of that. come to, you know, I kind of come yeah. to afterwards and it's like, Oh, here's a thing. It's yeah. It's always <laughs> funny to me, even just the songwriters who work with, you know, the, the, the pop producer songwriting, that's a collaboration between the, you know, the know-it-alls, yeah, the, the, right. the, the professionals, the team of professionals, that doesn't feel like the same thing to me, not to be a snob, but. Well, you can be I a mean, snob. Can, yeah. Okay. I'm a <laughs> yeah. snob. I feel like that's okay. I'm okay. I am both a snob and a fan, you know, of yeah, everything, you like of my, yeah, you know, right. So right, right. I think there's value yeah, in both to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like the minute, I mean, one kind of collaborate, like the Billie Eilish, I'm collaborating with my brother because we understand each mm -hmm. other beyond words and we have this creative synergy and there's a, like that I get as, as a really primal thing happening. But when you're working with sort of more, let me translate you and make a product out of, mm -hmm, you know, yeah. thing. Like that seems fundamentally different. I feel like, or I like one, have you ever written for other people? A little bit, a little bit. Does Not it much. happen in the same way? Well, gosh, I haven't done it enough. I mean, I think I'd love to do it more. If anybody wants my help with something, <laughs> I'll let you guys know. You heard it here first. People always think, oh, Ani's in her own planet. She doesn't need us. She doesn't want to hear from us. But I do. I do. I'm lonely. Um, <laughs> Ani, yeah, we're all lonely I, right now. Like, yeah, I'll, I'll right. write you a fucking song. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yay. Seriously. Everyone on their own planet. No. <laughs> I mean, I haven't done it much, but I guess I try to, uh, the, the little bits that I have, you know, I try to invoke what I do, that kind of riffing thing, but stick with the person's energy and intentions. Like they're, they, what would they want to express and what fits them? And what do I have in me that I could sort of method act that? Yeah. The oh, that's Cause that's, I, yeah. it is really interesting to me, like in thinking about how I mean and also you're incredibly prolific I think as a songwriter and and your songs are I mean you have some of my favorite lyrics of all time which <laughs> we won't go over right now because that would be probably bad podcasting um <laughs> but things that like I just to this day I'm like what the fuck that's the greatest line of all time <laughs> 
Um, but I do wonder if like those people who are songwriters by trade, who are writing songs in the machine, if, if there is an element of like, I got to channel this person's yeah. thing. Cause sure. I'd love an Ani song for Beyonce. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'd love you to do like your version for Lizzo or for some, you know, mm. I'd love to see that. Like, Oh man. I love to see anything, Lizzo. Oh, oh the best. Yeah, I just love, love her. her to say my name. She's <laughs> the best. Just point. Just point in my direction. She's the fucking greatest. She is yeah. the best. Well, you know what's interesting? I wanted to bring this up, and this might be a wild thing, but you're talking about how you write a song and you get into a state of flow and you almost come to and then how those ideas like a year later you see them sort of like popping up like blooming in the world Mm -hmm. but I would like to also Mm -hmm. posit that I hear the influence of your music in so many places I hear it in Hamilton like the first time I heard Hamilton I was like that's Ani DeFranco to me you know so yes do you ever feel that do you ever listen to someone and you're like oh I I believe that person listened to me oh well it's hard it's hard to know sometimes I do yeah sometimes I do again here I am again with the smell (laughs) yeah I can smell a little aroma a little aroma like oh those flies buzzing in your verse are those the flies from my kitchen because I thought I think yeah there's little yes but I would never guess to know I mean it's so hard I think for I I don't envy music critics to try to parse it all out you know where does this person come from what are they made of often we don't know ourselves right that is true right well that's what you're saying too and for you your new album which I love and I loved the song do or die which came out right before the election it really was a do or die situation. Yes. Whew. Um, yeah. <laughs> a moment of a moment of exhale. <laughs> I mean, it still is fucking bonkers, right? Like, I do feel like we're all kind of coming to from my dog is really scratching. Can you hear her? It's should yeah. I let her in? You let her in. Just hold on. <laughs> so sorry. No, yeah. I get it'll be me next. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I actually, it's been a minute since I've cleaned my brushes and sponges, uh, but luckily I have Birchbox. Birchbox is a service that exists to simplify all the beauty and grooming product options out there for you. Every month, Birchbox experts select five deluxe size samples tailored to your unique beauty profile. Put together a cheat sheet that tells you what to use each product for and how, and they wrap it all up in a beautifully designed box. You can test drive the products out at your own pace on your own terms. And when you find something you like, you can buy the full size on birchbox.com and you earn loyalty points doing it. And if something's not for you, you haven't had to spend a ton of time or money or effort finding that out. Because you just use the sample and you're like, I didn't like that. I'm not going to buy the full set. That's such a relief. I hate it. Ugh. I, me too. I hate it. I hate buying a full product. Because then also like, even though some of those places are like, you can return it. But I always feel like guilty. I don't know. Yeah. I and like you want to just... give it to a friend, but you're like, it's kind of gross because I already yeah. used it two times. Yes. And then yes. it just sits there. It, it just like sits there and is like the physical manifestation of guilt in your drawer. And it mocks you. Yeah. It mocks you. Yeah. 
Okay. Well, no longer. Join the Birchbox community today by heading over to birchbox.com slash best and use promo code best to get 50% off your first box when you subscribe for at least three months. That's promo code best at birchbox.com slash best for 50% off your first Birchbox. Birchbox.com slash best promo code best. Who says taking care of yourself needs to be so hard? That's where Caliper comes in. Caliper believes everyone deserves a simple way to feel better. Unlike CBD oils, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless and mixes easily into any food or drink or smoothie. No weird taste, no oily residue or mouth feel. There are precisely 20 milligrams in each packet of Caliper CBD, so you don't have to question how much you're taking. I like to take uh, the CBD at night. feel like it helps me with my winding down and recovery. Yeah. Um, I, I put Caliper... it in my coffee in the morning. Oh, really? Yeah, because I know that I can't count on anything throughout the day, but I know that no matter what, I'm having coffee. So it just goes right in there. Easy peasy done. All right. Caliper CBD comes in affordable 30 and 60 count packs. Individual packets give you the benefits of CBD wherever you go. Unlike some products out there, Caliper is completely THC free. All the goodness of CBD, no high, all natural, non-GMO ingredients, no fillers, added chemicals, or artificial flavors. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code BUSY at trycaliper.com slash busy. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they're going to give you a full refund. That's trycaliper.com slash busy. Don't forget to put the promo code BUSY in for 20% off your first order. I used my Athena Club razor this morning when I was getting my armpits ready to go have my breast biopsy. So, you know it's a clean shave if I'm willing to show the radiologist and the biopsy person. (laughs) Athena Club was really there for you this morning. Really was. She really was the Athena Club razor. I love it. I look forward to using that Athena Club razor. Um, It's expertly designed with the sharpest patented blades on the market. It's super cute. I have like a peach one. I I love it. I have blue. Um, The one-of-a-kind blades are enhanced with a revolutionary water-activated serum that has shea butter and hyaluronic acid for a skin-soothing shave with maximum hydration. The best part to me is that the razor kit is only $9, which includes two five-blade razor heads, your choice of a razor handle color, and a magnetic holder for easy storage. We get our new blades shipped regularly, so we never run out. Athena Club has a bunch of other self-care essentials like natural deodorant, body lotion, uh, dewy body lotion, face wipes. I love the cloud shave foam. Anyway, for the smoothest, closest shave all year long, do what I did and switch to Athena Club. Sign up today and you're going to get 20% off your first order. Just go to athenaclub.com and use promo code BEST. That's A-T-H-E-N-A-C-L-U-B dot com with promo code BEST for 20% off. 
<laughs> yes, come pooch. She's right here. My pooch. My pooch has been on most interviews with me too. <laughs> okay, so now that our that now that my beautiful little puppy is here, um, I feel like one thing that speaking of do or die and your like very clear the the weaving of of your social activism and being political throughout your entire career. This isn't like Ani DeFranco guys again. If you aren't a fan, I don't know why you're listening to my podcast to begin with, but uh, already. But if you, but if you're not super familiar from the moment you showed up, you were like, "This is who I am. This is what I stand for. These things are, this is my art, and these things are not. They're not uh, separate entities. They are like one, mm. right? Mm. Yeah. And was it ever a concern to you that that would be? polarizing and that you would lose out geez of all of my concerns that was not one seriously yeah i mean yeah uh, i mean get it and i got i got a lot of flack for sure in the beginning holy cow just writing f female songs on a shit you know from my experience and which includes being dicked around by, mm -hmm. you know, or the power plays of, you know, gender power plays and uh, all kinds of experiences that are inherently female. It was crazy. It was crazy in the early mid nineties, how much I was an angry woman and I was uh, a man hater. <laughs> you know, I was really t uh, sort of, caricaturized and pushed I um, was some kind of extremely angry militant blah blah you know just I think for just talking about what it's like to be a girl right you know? yeah yeah and but none of that pushback ever ever hurt ever I mean that's a lie it it did it was it hurt and it was hard but it was nothing compared with the affirmation it was it would all disappear in an instant when some chick would come up to me and say oh my god uh thank you right you know and tears would come to her eyes and that would be that i i all the pushback was worth it i mean is that was that like part of the impetus behind writing a song like joyful girl where you're like hey guess what yeah 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 it's funny my I, a dear one a dear friend texted me recently and he said back when you were a joyful girl they were all like why are you so angry and now that you're a love bomb they're like uh, uh what did you lose your edge or something I, right <laughs> like, well what is that yeah as a woman in any industry you know what do you do with that that thing where you're like, I'll never be able to be the things that you want me to be guys. Mm. Well, I mean, I do feel like I was, have been a part of the opening up of all kinds of marginalized people. I mean, females being one or, or queers or people of different hues and all kinds of ways that we are cast aside and that our voice is turned down and you know um you know there's a lot of really you know it's like righteous righteous rage righteous outrage right. about it all and and i feel like there's a lot more room in society there's more overall more and more recognition that 
many people are carrying so much weight. Mm -hmm. They're carrying all the weight and, and that it's hard to, yeah. And sometimes you do just want to lose your mind. You choose just lose your mind at the unfairness of it all. And, and I think that, you know, there are people of course, who experience way more unfairness than I, uh, and, and somebody, but even like a rich white dude can feel with other people. Mm -hmm. Everybody has the capacity to be outraged at how right. fucked up it all is. And so I feel like there is more tolerance, especially, I mean, I got to give it to the Cheeto. Oh, God rest his uh, soul. I, you know, my friend, I have a, I have a friend who, who described him as he who awakens us, which mm. I really mm. dig, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I think I noticed from my vantage point, busy it's like since he was elected there i have never been so hopeful yes because it's like suddenly i can drop the p word i can say patriarchy and polite conversation and people don't just run right they actually okay well, yeah maybe we should talk about this i mean even the word thank you cheeto <laughs> even the word feminist yeah it has all of a sudden ceased to be a dirty word you know right i remember when declaring oneself a feminist was like not the thing that people wanted to hear and they would and they would say oh, right. you know it would it so and, you want to die alone yeah Is that what you're exactly saying? oh you hate men <laughs> like Ugh. but now it's like since the you know 2016 I think there's been a lot of improvement yeah <laughs> yeah yeah owning and people that. right stuff out of the shadows you put it in the light and then it's like oh i guess we should talk about it yes we're just Sorry. reminded of the coining of the phrase feminazi uh by rush Ugh. limbaugh who just left us oh. and like how how he was able to popularize that term yeah and i was just saying recently that i kind of regret I'm kind of sad about having come of age in the 90s because I feel like there was this weird pushback where people just went around saying feminazi and like it was not only acceptable but also like kind of funny mm -hmm. and I think it was just like really fucking confusing you know as well as being a, girl. a woman yeah. was confusing yeah right like yeah because we were like given the images of Monica Lewinsky and like Amy Fisher, the Long Island Lolita and Lorena Bobbitt, who was an abused woman who like could mm -hmm. reached her breaking point and was made the fucking punchline of a joke for years. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, but like, God forbid you want to stand up for yourself or God forbid you want to say these things like it was yeah. very confusing. I mean, very fucking confusing. Yes. It was absolutely confusing, deliberately, geniusly made to be confusing. I mean, that was when the sort of right wing think tanks realized if you control the language, you control thought, you know? And if you take the, the only word in the English language that mean that means women should have rights and opportunities equal to men and you demonize it, if people can't even say it, they can't be it. Right. They can't, you know, and, and it's very powerful to mind meld people in that way, you know, uh, controlling language, which is something I feel like I was 
aware of even before I had words for it, language for it, you know, like taking the back, take it back, you know, this is, and I've been sort of out there fist pumping <laughs> with the word feminism for a long yeah. time. Like why, yeah. why are all you women who obviously want to be free, who obviously want to be self-realized people, why don't you call yourself feminist? Look it up. This is what it means. Tell me, tell me why. What's bad about that? Yeah. And you, and you were never a hypocrite. I guess that's what, that's what makes me hopeful about 2021 is that I feel like people are finally starting to call out the hypocrisy and in particular, the way that all people of color and women are treated where you can't do anything right. Like you should protest peacefully, but then you're going to get fired and you should speak nicely, but then that means you're a doormat and you should speak forcefully, but then that means you're a bitch. And I think this is the first time in my lifetime I've seen people say, no, like it, you can't have it both ways. You're being hypocritical. And so that's what I found so confusing, but you never were a hypocrite. You were always like, this is who I am. Yeah. Mm. Which was brave. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah. All that stuff that you just, just described, it's one person. It's one type of person dictating all that, all the perspective, all the language here's how you are perceived when you it's one type of person deciding all that but you can look around you now and you can see other voices are coming to the table you know Shirley Chisholm people are talking about her recently with our new vice president with this like super radical incredible African-American woman in politics in Congress way before that was even possible. And she had this great saying, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. Right. <laughs> you just, yeah. you keep putting your voice in, you keep speaking up. And now, I mean, it's palpable for me. It's like, I've been on this planet so long now and I look around and holy cow, you can see the difference. You can smell it. It's the it, it it's not a, the male gaze. Right. There's or it's white gaze. It's not you can see culture and and media and uh you know artistic expressions coming from other perspectives, real indigenous to other perspectives, and they can blow apart all that that logic of, you know, the control group. Yeah. The control group, <laughs> which the is control just, that group. is, that is truly what it is. Yeah. It's fucking wild. When you were talking, Casey, I was thinking, I think one of the radical things about the way I wrote when I started writing songs that was palpable, but hard to put into words is that not only was I speaking from another perspective, I wasn't even talking back to them. I wrote a lot of songs. You know, like my, my fella said the other day, yeah, like uh, everyone harbors a secret hatred for the prettiest girl in the room. The, I think the most extraordinary thing looking back on that line is I'm singing to women. It's not even, I'm not performing for the male yes. gaze. I'm not reacting to the male gaze. I'm not engaging the male gaze. I'm speaking and to a whole other place yeah. than, than the control group. Yeah. That's one of the reasons that I think your music is so meaningful to Busy and me yes. is because all we've been doing since we've been like friends and working together is asking just to make a thing that's mainly for us. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, like if other people want to watch it, 
that's okay. You know, we made a TV show together and if, if guys want to watch it, that's great, but it's mostly for us because people aren't doing that, you know? And what I always say is like, I'm not asking to take over the entertainment industry. I just want as many chances to fuck up as every guy I know has ever fucked up. You know what I mean? Like I want to be, I want the opportunity yeah. to be as mediocre as all of my guy friends. If that's what I'm going to, <laughs> yeah. to do with my chances. Yeah. You could never be mediocre, Casey, because that's very sweet. Just the given is that you're already entering the room with way more <laughs> than mediocrity. It's so that's funny. Funny yeah. tonight. I said a line from that same song. Now I'm just going to tell you <laughs> one of my favorite lines uh, of is, is imagine you're a girl just trying to finally come clean, knowing full well, they prefer you were dirty and smiling. That is like, that is, um, that's written on the inside of my brain since <laughs> high school. And for me, like when I released my autobiography several years ago, when I testified before Congress about my abortion, when I talked about my abortion on our late night talk show, it was that's the fucking thing, right? It's like, why can't you just be sweet and smile and like grin and bear it, honey? Like, why why do you have to show up and give us this? And my feeling is like, because I don't need to fucking hold this shit anymore. Because Ani DeFranco mm. told me in 1996 <laughs> that I didn't have to. And it has taken me almost 30 years, but bitch, I'm here. So, um, yeah. no, but that is like Beautiful. truly incredible and speaks directly. Mm-hmm. I said it to my husband, Mark, and and I'm like, this isn't for you. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know why I even, sh- it's not for you, Mark. Like, this is for, this is for me. You don't know what that feeling is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just, there's nothing. It's just, just, just like, <laughs> yeah, no, amen. Amen to all of that. And just like standing, standing up standing up in a moment and 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 ruining chances for something you know i i I mean you wouldn't do that all those things that you were talking about unless you understood that you have a connection you have a you have a natural allyship with other women and that we it's like we all we all fly or none of us fly you know right well that's the fucking truth and and how many people are like you that are willing to sacrifice their own whatever in the moment to just to be accountable to something bigger it's it's a it's a hard choice to make in the moment but i feel like every time do you do you agree busy that every time you make one of those choices it gets easier yes it's like yeah right yes you just start doing it and lo and behold you still exist and in fact life gets better yes not worse yes. you meet all the cool people <laughs> by going that way yeah that's where all the good people are right <laughs> yes yeah how do you instill that in your kids as a parent you personally i mean i figure it doesn't matter what i say to my kids and it, it so i don't so i i don't hold myself to getting it right all the time it just really matters who i am and what i feel right you know they feel they know what i feel right so if i if i show them that something unfamiliar is interesting and you move towards it because it's 
it's going to be really exciting and you're going to learn something, which I really deeply feel inside me. And I feel blessed because my mother showed me that, you know, she didn't say you should not be afraid of the unknown. You know, <laughs> she just, she, she leaned in when there yeah. was something unfamiliar. And that I think has been the great blessing of my life. So I try to just show them, uh, the, the, the version of me that is like really psyched here yeah. <laughs> and, and really can't wait to get up and learn some more shit from some people I can't even fathom. Do they think you're cool? Cause my kids really don't think I'm cool at all. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't know. I think that's right. They can't possibly cool. I think in, in four years, your kids are going to think you're cool. My kids think I'm really cool. Oh, good. That's I mean, you, good. you have, Aww. you have boys. Yeah, that's true. It's true. I I have, I mean. Right, right. That, yeah, girls, nobody (laughs) wants to look in a mirror. Mirrors are fundamentally uncool. So, yeah. Yeah. Birdie's also, my older kid uh, prefers they, them pronouns is gay and out. And it's wild. I was talking to them about my interview with you and like explaining who you are. Uh, to Bertie, and I was like, mm-hmm. Bertie, like Ani was essentially like the first openly bisexual like woman who was out like in music in that way. The label queer, this is the thing my kid never understands that like the label queer is relatively new. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It didn't really. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really. It wasn't really a thing in like the early nineties. Yeah. I mean, I was rocking it. I've always loved it because it just, it's so open, like not, not conforming to not the standard, but the beyond that, it's just different. You know, I'm, I've been learning a lot in the past few years Mm -hmm. with Birdie as my child, um, is that like really just eliminating the he she like the binary mm, all together yeah. mm-hmm. is kind of mm. the move in a way mm-hmm. and I it was a thing as like you know a cisgender white feminist girl growing up I never that wasn't a part of my mm. scope of knowledge or understanding well you only know mm-hmm. what you know guys and then you got to learn more you- I've just been learning to take like so much sexuality out of everything because like even as like a heterosexual woman I'm not a heterosexual woman for everyone you know what I mean like I'm just like Uh it's it's just sex is only between you and however many people you're having sex with or having feelings for (laughs) I like that heterosexual is such a big umbrella term but I'm like I'm really only heterosexual for like a handful of people at most I mean, now, now you're getting into, I think, really exciting territory, which is, can we just get off the identity train? Yeah. Stop everybody being so concerned with what I am, what I am, what I am. This is what I am. Because I think the more, the deeper truth about human beings is this is this moment. This is me in this moment. Right. I'm a changing, fluid, growing thing. I mean, I think identity politics has been a useful tool you know, to, 
to you know, bring out onto the table the fact that certain identities are elevated above others, certain are in control, others are da da da. But after doing all this work for so many decades of of inclusion and diversity, and you know, trying to like, I wonder if we can start to look at all of ident all our identities as constructions and mm. bring some more fluidity back right. into it yeah the masculine and feminine that's that's a new game right like eh, maybe it depends on the day <laughs> and and i think everything is that way yeah. really we've yeah. said it many times on this podcast gender is a construct gender is a construct everything is fake <laughs> right your kids my kids, our kids are changing the game and changing the language and opening it up and pushing envelopes. That's awesome. And I think that's something that came through my songs is just a lot of different things came through. But um, other young women saying, oh, there's an aspect of my life that I find here in this music mm -hmm. that I just can't and a, and a reality of my difference and of my secret oppression, you know, um, that is recognized in this work. And so it's like, okay, I'm not crazy. I'm a round peg in a square hole in this world. And I wake up every day and think, is it me? Cause this seems off, you know, yeah. and all of those things. And so I think we need to continue to move towards awareness of patriarchy, even while blowing open the gender constructs. Yeah. So when you were writing these songs that, you, you know, you're writing from your own personal experience as a young woman, were you feeling like I'm the only person in the world that feels this way? Or were you confident that other people would see themselves? Because I know that in my writing, often I'm putting something out where I'm like, I must be the only person in the world that feels this way. And then it feels so good to me when people come back and say, oh, no, exact same thing. I'm exactly. So I'm curious if you were always confident that there were other girls and women like you or it, or were you surprised to hear? I was surprised, but I was I was 17. Yeah. And, and the minute it started happening, the minute I sort of opened my mouth and started singing from my experience, there was somebody there to go. Yeah, me too. I can't tell you how many times I heard the word me too, yeah. you know, over those decades. So instantly the, the, the affirmation was there. Oh, I'm not alone. You know, it instantly came back to me. Yeah. That's incredible. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, super beautiful. I mean, it and it made me, it made me. I, I was like you guys. I was in the process of just trying to do what felt right for me and just trying to heal myself in in some very uh, personal way. And then when other when I started to connect to other people, it it gave me a place to be in the world. Yeah, it it ha it worked for me too. You know, when you put yourself out there and you find you're not alone. We're all less alone. Yes. It's also the thing that I think a lot of times people shy away from or they or or prevents them from like breaking through whether it's in art or I don't even know, like just in real life or just with interpersonal connections is is the truth like is the reality of yourself and like a lot of people want to put up a lot of 
other things that they wish they were, that they think of, you know, having the ability to kind of like strip it all away and lay it very bare and, and really honestly, very beautifully said, but like in, in many ways, very simply Mm. is what is the thing that allows the connection, I think. And I think Mm -hmm. sometimes, especially with social media now, people get very confused about what they think like an authentic expression is, Mm. you know what I mean? Mm. And so they're like playing at an authentic expression, but really are like, that doesn't ring true because it's not coming from your person, like from your actual core. Yeah. Yeah, I do imagine for young people, it is, I mean, I don't envy, I do not envy them coming up in the age of social media. I I actually can't imagine Mm. being me at 20 now. Right. You know, when everything you say lives forever and is judged by the world. What a, what a situation to try to become yourself and make mistakes and say one thing one day and another thing the other day and ah, and just be growing and changing and, uh, you know, make mistakes, yeah. which is the most important part of growing. I don't know how you have the bravery to do it in this type of culture in this moment. And, and when everything is a performance, like people are performing their everyday lives, uh, wow, that's a lot. That's a lot of, of self-awareness. I mean, I think for me, I had this, I was so, I feel lucky now to have been doing that and, and all pimply and metaphorically <laughs> and literally when it, when it wasn't living forever and judged by everyone. Right. But I think, I think most people lack self-awareness now. Yeah, I think you had like a great deal of self-awareness. I think the people that are sort of able to connect even through this weird time or whatever have a great deal of self-awareness. I just think that the people that come off phony are Mm -hmm. the ones that kind of don't. Are lost in the performance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're aware of what you're doing always in a way. Right. And it's right. I don't know. I don't know. I agree with you. And I think it would be really easy to get lost in it now as a young person. You let your kids have social media? Yeah. My 14 year old for for real. I don't know the world she lives in. She's, I have no idea what world she lives in. Every now and then she appears in the (laughs) kitchen when she's usually chewing, but um, sometimes she'll speak to me and tell me about her world. Wow. <laughs> what's the Terrifying. what's the pandemic been like? I mean, first of all, releasing an album, this is the first time I would imagine in your 30-year career that you're not touring to support an album. Yeah. So, what are you doing? This is a pivot. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's such a blessing. I mean, of course, there's financial ruin involved <laughs> in all sorts of things, you know, not I mean, I'm trying to be funny, but you know, but for me, the blessing of being home for a whole year with like, that's never happened. Having two kids uh, and leaving them behind with my partner and the strain on every relationship in every direction mm-hmm. is just, you know, just so hard and actually bringing me and my to the brink. And so I'm so grateful. I 
you know, because like my 14 year old, like I was just talking about, I have to just kind of be around right? and I have to stay up late like I do because she'll come down into the kitchen and she'll tell me about her world. But if I'm not around to catch it, you know, you can't just come off to her and say, okay, it's mommy daughter day. <laughs> and now go, Yeah, you know, it's, right. you just have to be here. And so finally I am given permission. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of a, sil- a little great. bit of a silver lining to, to a disastrous year. So, yeah. And I mean, and I love my job. Yeah. I love traveling. I love playing music. I love all of it, but this is like my dream come true. Yeah. Because <laughs> they have to stay there with you. You know, right. they don't even have they a choice. They have no yeah. choice. <laughs> right, right, right. My 14-year-old is talking to me. She just, she can't talk to anybody else. She's Perfect. <laughs> um, yes. Well, we, I love the new album so much. And uh, I've been playing it Yay. since it came out in December. December, right? Is that right? Mm, what is yeah. time? Ani, what yeah. is time? Yeah. An illusion. <laughs> and it's an illusion. Turns out we didn't yeah. know, but it was. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like I know that. I, so I started just, I started acting professionally when I was 19 years old. So I was, oh, kind of, I guess the same age as you. <laughs> when you I started, go. when I was like, became a professional person, right? Yeah. Um, I look back on things. This TV show that I was on is now like, when I was 19 is now streaming to my kids and I watched it the other day and I had like a real, yeah, I had a real, it was a real mind fuck moment. Let me just tell you. (laughs) And I was like, couldn't believe it was me. Like it tripped me out. And my memory of the thing is so different than what I saw. And Oh, wow. So as you look back 30 years ago to your album and the things you were saying and the songs you were singing, do you feel like it's someone else? Do you know her? Oh, yeah. Are you just like, no, 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 exactly like you who I, I don't. And yeah, often no memory whatsoever. Like I'll put on a record and it's like, I've never heard it before, but I made it, you know, uh, Stop it. you know, <laughs> seriously like holy shit oh that's cool whoa what about that wow <laughs> i was gonna ask do you, know, you say is it no, good do you listen to it and you're good holy shit this is good no i okay well first of all i don't put on my records that's not a thing i do <laughs> have you made your kids listen because like people think it's weird that i made my kids i want to know what they said i want to know what they were like birdie did they see you yeah did birdie they see a whole like, other no no she they birdie was like your voice is so different you don't even talk like you don't talk like that that's so weird yeah right they were just like they like the show but they thought it Uh, was weird that it was me and and, yeah 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 and they're just like that's not you that's some other person too right so they agreed with you they saw what you saw yeah right which is a person whose identity was temporal and who is a whole other thing now that's it. Just, <laughs> whatever you thought you were, that's it was that moment. That's but that's fucking it, Ani. That's the whole thing. It's just temporal. Yeah. Whatever you think you're you are right now, it's just just wait. Yeah. Twenty five. I mean, years. when you get down, when you get, you can keep going and going and going with that, right? Yeah. It's yes. Like, who are you? Who is the spirit inside you that ignites that form? I mean, there's no name. F- 
for that being there's but that is you right and every we wear along the way is just what I've been with my husband since I was 18 and I always tell him you've been married to so many different people <laughs> yeah like thank right? and thank goodness you've liked them all and loved them all but I'm, I've been like yeah. seven to ten different people since I met that guy well thank goodness yeah you liked all of his that's cool <laughs> You know, <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. No. Right. Uh, yeah. You'd hate to. You'd hate to find out <laughs> that three years ago you were nailing it. <laughs> three years ago was my favorite, Casey. Yeah. Um, okay, Ani, we're gonna let you go back to your family, and I'm. We've taken you for too long, but I know that Casey has been dying to ask you about working with Prince, and I've. Mm. I can see it in your face, Casey. You've been holding it in like such a good. Good. Yes. It's yes. Prince is her There's number staff. one, number one My favorite number one. husband oh. of all time. Oh, represent, represent. Yes. Oh my gosh. Where there's no words. There's no words. I mean, he's just he was other. He was superhuman. He was a super human creature. It was just apparent. Yeah, obviously, yeah. I don't have to. But to get to be up close, it just didn't change. It just got more vivid. It was just, it's a very rare being, obviously, where it's sort of like you could just any moment that you're looking at him could be a poster that you hang <laughs> on your wall. There's just no bad shot, you know, no, and yeah. there's no off moment. There's just a super vivid, iconic thing happening <laughs> at, at all times. I mean, I had my first hang with him was at Paisley Park. I was just telling some friends the other night because we they were talking about their tour of Paisley Park, you know, po po posthumous, you know, after yeah. now it's a museum. And I was like, and they were saying, have you ever been to Paisley Park? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I have <laughs> one time. And, uh, you know, he invites me to play on his record. It's completely insane. You know, I show up with my cheap ass guitar, you know, and he wants me to play on a solo piano ballad and I'm pooping in my pants and I don't know what the key of G is to, you know, to save my life. And somehow I got through it. And then the best part about that evening was then we were like, let's jam, you know, and he, so it's Maceo Parker, oh. another just iconic musician, Larry Graham, you know, these Prince and then like some of Prince's band that he was working with in the musicology era. And these dudes show up and they're just badasses to the, to the one and me, you know, <laughs> and, and watching Prince, watching Prince jump from instrument to instrument and be completely vivid and iconic, no matter what he touched. Yeah. You know, I was like sitting at the drums, like, oh shit, <laughs> uh, you know, behind <laughs> keyboard, oh, shit. you know, guitar, bass, whatever, basketball, oh <laughs> shit, you know, just. Oh my gosh, I love that. This is a game I can play all day. I love to just think about Prince and his life. Like, exactly what you were saying is so, so genius because I like to think of like, he must have had a moment in his life when he was cooler than he ever had been and cooler than he ever would be again. What is that moment? And then I try to find a photo of it, but it's impossible. It's impossible to know, but it's a fun game for <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, really. <laughs> I love it. Keep it up. Keep playing. 
Oh, that's Everyone's amazing. A winner with that game. I was I was actually not going to ask about Prince because I get a little weird about it, and I talk about him on every podcast. So thank you so much for generously oh, telling me your yeah. story of him oh. because it means a lot. Thanks to me. for saying his name and and keeping his spirit in the air. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Oh, it really yeah. is. We love him, um, <laughs> but Casey loves him the most, guys. Let's a lot, a real. lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, Ani, what's going to happen next? Tell us. Um, you know the future. Uh, well, well, I mean, I don't know. Me, I'm I'm hot and heavy with Righteous Babe Radio now. Woo! Oh, making amazing. Free internet streaming radio. A lot of programming. Working on a lot of that shit. Um, Wait, I'm, how do people I'm, get to get it? Oh, I mean, you could go to the RighteousBabe.com website, website okay. and there's a radio page and there's, we even have a little app, but the, the, all the app does is just, you can hit play on the station and see what kind of craziness <laughs> we're putting out there. Okay, yeah. oh. Given moment and I'm working on a children's book. <gasps> oh, amazing. That's kind of hard, crazy. It's a different brain, muscle, yes. everything. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm searching for it in my body. Is it, I love is it, it. Um, is it a picture book or like a, a early reader? What is it? I'm actually toying with a couple different things right now. It was the the publisher who released my memoir and they said, hey, you, did you ever consider young readers? And I was like, okay, oh, it's a pandemic. I'm considering a lot of things. <laughs> That's excellent. That's you a know, major working, pivot. Yeah. 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 Also working on a musical. <gasps> you are? with That came, came out of this um, prison music project record that I did that was all songs written by people in prison. Yeah. Wow. And one of the people that I met through this project has this unbelievable story of restorative justice which is something i believe in very deeply and hope can grow in this country it's yeah. like a whole other idea of justice system yeah. than the one that we have so he has this experience of 10 years after his crime coming together with the survivor and the transform i mean it's a story that i think holds the template for our whole society like after relationships super breakdown after violence that is unforgivable after everything has gone to hell what next yeah oh my god what do you do how do you come back together how do you how do you forgive how do you transcend how anyway so this story where he's a bunch of prison music project you know people and and the the person himself lester are busy we're writing the play right Holy now we're gonna make cow. it hopefully a musical about some very heavy stuff yeah but it's just such an extraordinary story so there's that going on um too. that sounds incredible when you're ready for investors <laughs> I'm here All right. I don't know if there's a part for me but um but I definitely would love to help in any way okay so Ani DeFranco you start a record label at 19. You have, I don't know, how many albums? 25, 30, 40, 22. 22 albums. 22. Several books. And now you're like, and I'm going to do a kid's book, and I'm going to do a musical based on this uh, incredible idea and collaboration with others and lift their voices. And, I mean, honestly, I can't wait to see what's – what's going to happen yeah. in the next uh, 10 years? I don't know. Yeah. Five, five, four. What's time? 
a construct. <laughs> yeah, like what is time? It's nothing. Well, thanks, babe. Thanks for giving my art a place to go. Oh my gosh. <laughs> In this world. I mean, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Whatever love you got it. for us. Whatever you got for us, cool. we'll take it. And it was so great to talk to you. And thank you for sharing with nice us. Nice to talk and, to you yeah. too. So nice to meet yeah. you. Thanks for your, really thanks for hanging out. Likewise. Thanks. That's a lot. Okay. Yeah. All right. It was so good. Thank you, Ani. So nice. Super thank fun. you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. 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 We're back. It was exciting. That was exciting. You know what was interesting? I knew that I admired Ani DeFranco as an artist so much. But what was exciting about that for me is that I really liked her as a person. Yeah. Oh, that's such a win. (laughs) I agree. And I also and I also think like I feel like, listen, Casey and I have had a lot of experience being sort of like burned by the man (laughs) you know like throw me in the ring there yeah yeah yeah. sure like trying to like work for other people and just getting like fucked by them and lied to and just also just like information withheld and all that stuff and I think that that's so empowering to hear a story of a woman who from the jump was like I know this seems impossible, but I'm just going to do this all my own because what I want to do, I should be able to handle this. And like not being motivated by, you know, the idea that in order to be successful or make a ton of money, she needed like a a system around her to support her and in fact at the end of the day the one that ended up like being the most supportive and giving her all the success was truly herself and the people closest to her that she hired in her own company and I feel like it's really hard in entertainment and it was what Casey and I were trying to do pre-pandemic we were trying to put together our own projects sort of independently with like a whole different sort of method of doing things and and I feel like we keep sort of getting roped back into the same fucking bullshit (laughs) in a in a way you know what I mean yeah and I don't feel like you and I have truly like actually just been like fuck it we're just going to do some stuff by ourselves by ourselves like really by ourselves yeah I think you know how you always say that thing about how you can what's that thing you say you can be talented you can be kind you can be be talented you you, well you need three things to succeed in entertainment Chelsea here's here's what I'm this is my okay I'm ready thing for you I didn't make this up somebody else did but you have to have talent you have to generate goodwill and you have to be hardworking, and you can exist for a period of time, have success for a period of time if you have two of those three things. But if you don't have all three at some point or another, it's going to come crashing down and you will like everything will go away. (laughs) Can I add an addendum? Yes. You can be an evil person (laughs) with no talent who's very good at convincing people you're (laughs) worthwhile and be successful for a portion of time. But you will have an unhappy life and it will come crashing down at some point. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, it's the same thing. Sure. So busy. I feel like there's a corollary for what we're trying to do. And I think that the, it's got to be something like you can. I don't know. I have to like work it out on scratch paper. Right. But it's got to like, be like you can like believe you, in your mission. 
you can statement you or you can make money but mm. you maybe can't do both at the same time at the beginning <laughs> you know what I mean like something like that I, I don't know yeah I don't know I don't know Ani was like I know that she sort of was like seven years was a long time yeah. or whatever but I was like was it like <laughs> you know she she became really successful pretty quickly in terms of I don't know maybe she maybe she would have had a quicker success if she had been with a major label or had I mean hadn't just started her own thing it's really interesting yeah. I mean this you know we're talking about the 90s where like independence was really in vogue and smaller projects were really a big deal and you know she did mention in the interview she certainly saw people becoming more successful kind of leapfrogging her and and lapping her in terms of like financial success but she stuck to her mission and I think there's something to be said for that that's you know I've said that probably to my detriment in every meeting that I've ever had is like there are things that are as important as money yeah. Um, you know, yeah. for, you know for what me, I, what I've really come to wholeheartedly believe is that people really want great work, great content. And if you are willing to put in the work to just do your own fucking thing, that almost always makes the best content without a bunch of other people fucking your shit up. And then those people who want to make money off you will find you. They'll find you. Everyone wants good shit. It's like when you break, like, and that's why I love why you guys have like your company. Cause it's just like, you're just going to make great shit, whether you do it with other people or on your own. But at the moment you're like, fuck off, we're doing whatever we want. 10 billionaires will be like, can we help make a profit <laughs> off of that? You know, people want good work. They just do. That'll never go out of style. Like something that's good. You know, the video that's funniest always goes viral. It's just how it works. It's true. It's true. Get at us, billionaires. It, it is very funny that it, everything's kind of like ass backwards. Like, you know, companies are constantly trying to make things that are quote unquote viral. And you're like, yeah, no, but that's, that's not, not how, how it, works. it works. Like people tell us if it's viral. We don't say. Like if it was up to me, what goes viral, everything I do would go viral. But here's what I will say about myself that not no, everything doesn't go viral, but some things do. And that means that I have a decent track record. So if you want to work with me, it's very, it's just, it's very funny trying to do what you love and, and make a living at it. And it, it gets very weird, very fast, but you love it so much that you just can't stop, even though it makes you sick. <laughs> yeah or like we learned with me the best way to get like the acting job of your dreams is to declare that you've quit acting and that yeah. you have no interest in it <laughs> and then what it's happens? so frustrating though sometimes this business really rewards like it's not that it's apathy but it's like you know the auditions that you do best at are the ones you don't give a shit about but I hate right. that first off I'm a try hard I always try hard. So to Same. be like, if you don't try hard, it'll go well for you. It's like, this is such, that's so unfair. Right. Yeah. I care. My quitting acting was an apathy. No, My no, exactly. acting was like heartbreak. Yeah. Like I can't, like I, at this point, like self-care for me is saying like, I cannot do this one more time where I get invested and excited and like want a thing to come to fruition that then gets like so close and then is like crushed in front totally. of eyes. <laughs> totally. Um, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist. And, and so I even think it's like, well, entertainment centers around power, you know? And so there's something powerful in convincing someone who said never again 
to say, okay, one more time. You know what Mm. I mean? So whether that's like people within entertainment, it's fun to convince someone to reverse course and to change their mind. Or maybe it's just like the universe being like, come on, bitch, you didn't mean it. I'm going to, I'm going to make you eat your words. Yeah. Well, I will say like Tina Fey, notwithstanding, like the universe really did like lay it out. Like I could not say no to that, obviously. Um, but I did get offered like a movie, you know, and that, and the, it's like the kind of thing that like any version of myself before the last several years would have been like, this is my fucking dream in life to do, to like be offered this and like whatever. And like, it just, it just what I couldn't do. I couldn't make it work because like, it just wasn't, it just it couldn't work. Yeah. It just yeah. couldn't work. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And like COVID and like my kids are in school here and like, I just, it just couldn't work. And I felt fine. I love that. <laughs> I love like, that. Like I wasn't like, I wasn't like heartbreak. I wrote like a really nice letter to the director thanking him for offering it to me and saying how much I would have loved to, but like, quite frankly, just couldn't make it work. COVID, yeah. my kids, yeah. money. That's so well, that's blessed. so much growth too, because when you're an actor, you're just trained to say yes to everything. Yes. Oh, that's right. Yes. And that never and and in a way of like you're there's a thousand of you. You should be yeah. so grateful for us to mistreat you. Um and it's hard to make that go away. So that's huge growth. And secondly, I just want to say, as someone who's been in the table reads and seen the clips from the show, busy is phenomenal in this show I mean you're really phenomenal it's really hard to imagine that anyone else would have been this character um and and yeah I can see why it's your dream job because it's 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 a perfect role and you're great at it Aww. I'm so nervous no you're I'm so, so great nervous. that's crazy it's the characters in I mean I do Chelsea I do like a crazy thing on the show oh yeah of. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's why I think that's why I'm saying you're so great at it because it is a role that requires really like being psychotic being hitting really hard laugh lines but also bringing depth and sincerity and groundedness to it while hitting these like wackadoodle moments and like that's a hard that's a hard needle to thread I mean it's literally (laughs) my life's work (laughs) (laughs) is threading that fucking needle Chelsea Uh, all right should we go we were going to read a letter, but I don't want to make this podcast three hours long again because everybody is, you know, yelling at me about it. So <laughs> actually, no one is. No one's yelling at no me. No one's about yelling. It. People are just mentioning maybe it could be shorter, but then like a lot of you at home like it longer. And, you know, here we are. We're stuck between like business people and people people. Business you know? people. <laughs> I love I those always, categories. I always err on the side of. Uh, people 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 I'd like to cut all the business people out completely and I think I might but here's the here's the great thing about podcasts it's really easy to turn them off like if you turn off the podcast right now it was an hour good for you (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh okay yeah we can save the letter for next time um maybe it will be yours you know what I do want to Chelsea I need to know if you know where you're living yeah, in New York. Feels Busy, right help. Now. I need your help so badly. And please, please guide me because I want to, I want to love New York this time. I would, I'd put all my money it. to bet against it, but I want to love it. This <laughs> no, time. We're going to love it together. I've learned a lot in these past, I guess, how many months? Six, 
Yeah. Seven, wow, that seven, six, five. Some five. months. Some months. I've learned a lot. I'm getting my footing. It's fucking freezing today, which I'm mad about. But next week, I someone said maybe the 60s. Oh. So I'm excited about that. Okay. I just like, I have thoughts. I have feelings. I feel like I'm really getting my bearings here. I feel like I know where you guys would be. I'm going to take some of your, I'm going to like live under the cloud of your good energy. This is really bringing me a lot of excitement. I'm so excited about the job, uh, not about New York, but now I'm feeling totally different. This podcast was for me. But like, here's, here's another question. But what if you then just stayed and jumped back onto Girls 5 Eva? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I totally didn't even think that if it comes back, it'll be a New York in-person room. I, so here's another thing. I've never met a single person in a room I we wrote the entire show on. Like, I don't know how tall people are. I don't know if I'll recognize them. Like, we lived in a Zoom box. I've never met anyone in person. Wow. Chelsea, do you so understand weird. that I didn't know what anyone looked like? That is crazy. Outside of the people I was acting against. Wow. I, don't, I could not pick out. Like, honestly, when Meredith took her mask off, Meredith created Girls 5 Eva, guys. When Meredith took her mask off the last night, everybody was doing this thing the last night where they were like, take it, dipping their masks down so people could see their full faces. Yeah. Oh, my God. I don't know why we didn't think to do that in the beginning. Uh. <laughs> but anyway... <laughs> It took us, everyone was scared, you know? Yeah. But so everybody dipped, like took their masks down so we could see their faces. And Meredith, I was like, not what I expected. Not like, <laughs> not in a bad, not in a bad just, way. Yeah, totally. She's beautiful. Different. But just like totally changed my whole impression of her face. They're like my favorite PA, Matt, when he showed me his lower half of his face, I was like, what? Who are you? <laughs> what a sexy reveal, I don't even too. Know like, you. I'm going to show you my jawline. Um, <laughs> I was just recently shocked by learning that somebody I had been working with had a mustache, and it really floored me <laughs> um, that I accidentally saw his mustache. And it, that I is was like, so funny. It's like back in, you know, back in Victorian times when you see like a little ankle and you're just like, oh my God, I have to sit down. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I, I just saw I, a wisp of an ankle. <laughs> I, I swear to God, it was really strange. It was really yeah, bizarre. Yeah, also like <laughs> so. Mer- Meredith is so great, so smart, so funny. And also she was my boss, right? So in my head, again, so fucked up because she's my boss. I'm like, this woman's six foot tall, six feet tall. <laughs> and then at the we played a game where we guessed each other's heights. And it's like, she's like 5'3 or 5'4. She's a <laughs> peanut. Yeah. She's a tiny, she's a tiny cutie. person. Yeah. Oh, my god. Never met her. I, I mean, we've, we've spent a lot of time together we've never met in in real life that is so weird and funny yeah but yeah so I don't know I have high hopes for your pivot thank you and move to New York my vom and pivot vomit and pivot vomit and pivot just yeah just if you have to vomit do it Try not to vomit, but I'm, gonna, I'm really going to try. You know. But also as like the elder statesperson of, of this friend group, I feel like just, mm-hmm. you know, just no matter what, no matter how you're feeling, whether you're feeling fantastic about something or whether you're feeling doubtful about something, nothing is permanent. You know what I mean? Like nothing, yeah. no show, no relationship, no life, no living situation, no job, no pet, no mm-hmm. friendship. And uh, like this is going a, a dark place, but I dark. see that it's, it's very positive. It can be dark, <laughs> but it can also be positive because when something really sucks, it's not going to last forever. When something is really great, though, it's also not going to last 
probably forever. So you should remember that and you should just like suck it into your cells mm, and like oh, really nice. live it because nothing is going to last forever. Like your, your kids are going to grow up and people are going to move on. So just no matter what, nothing is forever. So even if New York is terrible or wonderful, either there's oh. a light at the end of the tunnel or just like bring it into your body like sunshine and just like live it up. This is really invigorating. You guys really <laughs> yeah. switch things around for me today. <laughs> Thank you. That is, that is such good advice. Well, Chelsea, uh, we're so lucky to have you as our guest host I'm today. So, so honored. Thank you for having me on. And for all fans of Casey's she's already been on my podcast and for all fans of busy's I'm going to be reading and recapping her book on my Instagram and then deep diving it in a podcast episode so if you haven't read it and want to read along I'll be here the podcast <laughs> is the celeb- time to do it celebrity book club with Chelsea Devantes you can also find her on Instagram and she's also on Twitter you should watch all of her projects um, including mm-hmm. girls five Eva coming up and we just love you so much we, I love you love guys you so, much. so much and I also love your merch it's my cutest <laughs> and it's it's my cutest Yay! shirt these days it's a mint green <laughs> thank you yeah if you if you haven't checked out the merch we're working on new merch we're trying to do like a spring refresh so uh-huh. I mean if there's anything that you've been dying like you're really wishing that there was like a piece of merch that existed I guess let us know and we'll we'll let you know what we come up with we have fun to make your dreams it. come true yeah. so yeah so we want to make everyone's merch <laughs> dreams come true try to make your dreams come true yeah. I mean padded um, super pole on the way <laughs> all right maybe not but you guys uh, until next week, we love you. We love you. Bye. I love you too. Oh, no.